Please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Thuzzy. There's a mistake. Moonlight. Best picture. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospective. Failed award contender season two, episode eight. Yeah, baby. We're talking punk on earth. Have you seen that show yet? My co-host, Mac? No, I don't even know what you're talking about. You haven't seen... Oh, you would love Kunk on Earth. It's on Netflix. Just watch it. Just Is it new? What is this? It's really new. I think it just came out like a month ago at the time of recording. What's it called? <laughs> Kunk on Earth. C-U-N-K. Kunk on Earth. Yes. The fuck is this? It's, it's sort of like a parody of those travel shows when they're giving you like little tidbits of history. Um, but the the host like it's it's a parody of it. So the host is like, you know, you you wouldn't believe that I'm standing in the the remains of the first city of human civilization. And it's because I'm not, and that's in the Middle East where it's fucking dangerous. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, although it says here created by Charlie Brooker, who I've had mixed feelings on over the years. This is the best thing he's ever done. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I don't like his other stuff either. I mean, no, he's <laughs> he's ups and downs. I'm ups and downs with that guy. Like, but uh, lately he hasn't been so great, in my opinion. <laughs> is it is it the Black Mirror thing? Black Mirror, but like also there was like Death to 2020, which sucked. Oh, he's responsible for that? Yeah. Okay, I wouldn't have recommended it had I known he was responsible for that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, hey, shit, you know, people people can change. Yeah. He's had good stuff in the past. Although stuff that aged were because he's like, you know, the British are like, they suck right now. Yeah, more um, than usual. The, yeah, more than usual. <laughs> they were doing good for a little bit. Like, they, like there, was, there was like a window where it was like, hey, the British are kind of on the up. And then it's like, nope, we're back to being shit. And so, like, when you watch anything he's done, like, half the cast is full of people who are just absolute shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, boy. But, man. Thank God England won't exist soon. <laughs> What's the matter with England? England, England, man. The English are dumb as hell, man. They're not great. I was watching. I was I was rewatching Titanic because the fifteenth anniversary of Titanic happened. And I went to see it in was it the hundredth year anniversary? So what is what what anniversary is it of the fucking movie? No, it's, it's the fifteenth year anniversary of the movie. It was one. Uh, didn't some advertisement go out that was like completely wrong? With like they were like, "Welcome to the thirtieth anniversary of Titanic." And it's no. like that was nine. movie's from ninety seven. Wait a minute. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and because I was watching it, I was like reading up on facts about the real Titanic, which I which you do. And man, like the British are so dumb. <laughs> they made every wrong decision. It's also just so funny. I, I texted you this just because I, I can't not get over how funny I find this, that the Titanic was going at like 30 miles per hour when it hit that iceberg. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It was barely going anything. And it's so it's so funny when you watch that scene in the movie where it's like, I want people to marvel at the Titanic speed. And it's like, wow, like that's what you were trying to get people excited over. And it led <laughs> to the deaths of thousands like, people. Like, <laughs> God damn, man. And then the one they don't bring up in the movie, um, 
but uh the there's a whole thing where it's like they none of the guys had binoculars the night of the sinking right mm-hmm. like and they're like uh, the reason why is because they didn't have the key for the cabinet that had the binoculars in it so they had binoculars on the ship they just couldn't open the cabinet and that was because they swapped out to the officers before the sailing and the guy that they dismissed uh, took the key with him. <laughs> and then because they're the fucking British, they didn't just break open the cabinet. <laughs> so. God damn. Could fucking Aaron Sorkin have written the Titanic? Fuck no. Yeah, no. No. You know, what's wild. I did not realize this Titanic of all the nominations. Cameron's Titanic. It, it did not get a screenplay nomination. Huh. Like that to me, that's the one it should get. <laughs> Honestly. Not the other stuff. Like I like whatever. I'm not gonna be like, I like that movie. I'm not here to be like Titanic boo. Like, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of one of those where like you kind of have to give it awards just because of the achievement, you know. Mm-hmm. But like the thing in it that's actually really good is the screenplay. <laughs> like it's it's a perfect screenplay to show off the sinking of the titanic Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah yeah and that's the one it didn't get nominated for like that's kind of nuts that yeah or did not just not win let me double check i don't remember but uh it it did it won best picture best director right like yeah yeah that's what Cameron gets up and says i'm king of the world yeah, and people were like, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck this guy. He'll never make anything nearly. Good luck following this up, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't just... work out for him whatsoever. No, no. Yeah, not nominated for a screenplay at all. Yeah. Like, it's not just that it didn't win. It just it wasn't even nominated. But, hey. Also you know, lost hmm. best makeup. I, I guess uh, that's fair. That's a fair. <laughs> and the actress loss. awards, the two actresses, Kate Winslet and Gloria Stewart, were both nominated and did not win. Hmm. But hey, you know who is nominated for a lot of screenplay awards? Aaron Sorkin. Oh, yeah, him too. <laughs> <laughs> I had no joke. Yeah, to okay. give, but uh, yeah, there's a guy who it's like. It's almost like the Academy feels obligated to nominate him. Um, how are we oh, feeling on Sorkin? I, he's my enemy. When what was your introduction to Sorkin? West Wing. Really? West Wing. Yeah, that was uh, that that liberal fantasy. I did not start the West Wing until we were like midway through the Obama administration, and man, does that show clang! Oh my god, it ages so fucking terribly. It's, aged it's so, so unfortunate. Because here's mm. the thing, I don't think it's like a poorly made television series. Mm-hmm. I think it is absolutely like centrist liberal bullshit. Yeah. Um, and it must have just been like you kind of needed that during the Bush years, you know? Yeah, you like, know, like I, I don't, I don't harbor ill will for anyone who like really likes the show still or something like mm-hmm. that. I just don't give a fuck, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like you got Martin Sheen on there as the president. Like it's mm-hmm. a slam dunk, you know. I get it. I get the the admiration for that show. Uh, not for me, but I don't. You know think what's it's weird? Like terrible. Um, 
my introduction to him, like, I don't know his name, but I remember the whole blow up of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip when that happened. Like, that was like the punching, like, that show was basically a punching bag, like, for about a year mm-hmm. of just people dunking on it. I did not know his name from it, but do you remember that, like, when it was happening? I remember it was supposed to be the next, like, big thing. Yeah, everyone was like, well, because it was, you know, he's coming off the West Wing for that one, mm-hmm. you know? And it's this, like, it is going to be the next big thing in television. And it's going to be, it's kind of about, is it about, like, it's a it's SNL. about SNL without yeah. being about SNL. But, like, it's, it's like, what if everyone on SNL took themselves way too seriously? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, I just remember it being the, like, can you believe the amount of money they spent on it? It's terrible. It's a fucking joke. And the story was it almost got 30 Rock canceled because they were both kind of coming out around the same time. Mm-hmm. And the first season of 30 Rock did very poorly. And then 30 Rock ends up being the one that kind of like hangs on. Yeah. Seven and 30 Rock worked so much better as a comedy show about sketch comedy. Yeah. Partly because that show is like admits that the show they're working on was probably terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so i always just think of uh uh, the tracy jordan bit where they cut to him he's like he's got this robot machine that farts and his only line in that cutaway is it's farting it's (laughs) farting and it's like it's obviously like trash but it's so funny because that's what they're making yeah (laughs) and he's so committed yeah and the the great joke of that series is uh you know the their SNL stand-in is um it, it's it's a it's like a woman-centered sketch comedy show, but they have to bring in a man because they're worried about the numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> it's it's so fucking stupid the inner workings of like the studio politics in the in-universe show, mm-hmm. and they're also accurate to real life. You know, remember yeah. Milf Island? Oh yeah, yeah. Now and isn't now that a thing now? There's Milf like... Manor. The joke yeah. is that it was so stupid. Of course, it's going to get greenlit, but no. The Milf Island it. one was that they edited Seinfeld into it, right? They did that too. Yeah, that they, they the, edited like, Seinfeld into everything. And yeah, Seinfeld like, Vision. Yeah. Where, like next week on Milf Island. <laughs> like really, is that your pitch? No. And then um, now they're like the way Netflix is shifting. They're going to start like introducing like ads on like the the bottom of the the tv good lord man like, the strip, fuck that you know like the little like newscast type stuff and it's really? like well 30 rock like well that's something that's been like tossed around i guess mm-hmm. 30 rock predicted like the failure of modern television mm-hmm. <laughs> like because well, it was written at a time that's what that's why studio 60 failed because studio 60 is this weird show about like the comedy on studio 60 it can like change the world right like mm-hmm. It, and when it was premiering, television is like crashing hard at that exact moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the beginning of people don't watch television anymore. Like it's it's the very beginnings of that where NBC went from like being this thing where like people had to be around the, the TVs to watch what was happening to suddenly it's like, well, now it's diminishing returns forever now. Like that's just what it was. And 30 Rock was rightfully kind of like, what is it like to work? for a network that is constantly a sinking ship like <laughs> that is outdated and doesn't make any sense and yeah well 30 rock is going to come up again 
on this uh on this retrospective because it was airing during a particularly tumultuous moment of television history i can't imagine what you're referring to it's not like you've mentioned it a bunch of times before hey i don't know if people have put together because like unless they know what movie we're talking about i don't know if anyone can put it together <laughs> yeah that's true that's true it's a fairly obscure movie but um yeah studio i, I just remember the like it just because i used to read entertainment weekly when i was younger because i was a really cool kid <laughs> and <laughs> and um i just remember it being like the weekly punching bag with studio 60 like Here, here's a here's an excerpt from the Sorkin Wikipedia article about mm. Studio 60. Even before the first episode aired, there was a large amount of thoughtful and scrupulous criticism in the press, as well as negative analysis from bloggers. In January 2007, Sorkin spoke out against the press for reporting heavily on the low ratings and for using blogs and unemployed comedy writers as sources. After two months hiatus, Studio 60 resumed airing the last episodes of season one, which would be its only season. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Let me just do a quick Google search on Aaron Sorkin criticism. <laughs> All right, I got to hear without this. This is true. This is what I'm looking at. I will screen cap this and post it on the YouTube version of this in case no one believes me. This is the order of things that popped up as I Googled that, okay? From Vice, Aaron Sorkin's liberal fantasy runs the world. From Variety, Aaron Sorkin says he'll do better at writing women. Aaron Sorkin doesn't understand how representation works. From The Atlantic, do Aaron Sorkin's haters just not get it? So you got one positive one. There you go. Who wrote that one? The Atlantic. All right, good job, Atlantic. There, then there's a Reddit series of posts. Um, but okay, let's let's click on one right now. Sorkin what, heads. What do you think of Aaron Sorkin? This is in the writing uh, subreddit. All right. <laughs> um, this is a discussion about like the newsroom and West Wing, Social Network, Moneyball. Um, that uh, they've heard that the man is both an elitist and something of a snob with his political views. So they, they wanted to start a discussion with that. And so the first one's a, a positive one. Personally, I loved everything about the West Wing. This is from someone named Cogito NM from eight years ago. This is an eight-year-old thread, okay? All right. I think this, <laughs> I think, so eight years ago. When does Molly's game come out? No, this is 2015. So this oh. is the year when Steve yeah, this Jobs is, comes out. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the year. That, mm-hmm. um, that's probably the apex of them, you know? Yeah, and the rest of the, the comments start getting a little not divisive, but everyone's like, you know, I like him, but I like him, but you know? Yeah. And then there's one marginally positive one where it's like, he's good. Most screenwriting is awful. <laughs> so it is easy to stand out once you get in the door, getting in the door seems to be the hard part. That is correct. He mm-hmm. does stand out. No, he does. And there's like a momentum to his dialogue that like is very engaging. I can't deny it. You know, mm-hmm. like his stuff, it, like even this movie we're about to talk about, I found it, I do find it very engaging, but it's one of those things where you get to the end of it and you're like, wait, what, what, what were we saying here, people? <laughs> no, I forget. Have you seen the newsroom? Um, no, I, but I saw the first episode of it and I was like, fuck this. Like, <laughs> yeah. When I was in my 
I love all Democrats phase of mm. uh, of youth. Yeah, I w- just I'm just 2012. I was definitely not that. Like yeah. that was um, not the time for me. I do. This is sincere. This is no irony. I'm not using this as a dunk at all. Like it could. It definitely is one, but I'm not trying to do that as such. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do credit Aaron Sorkin and the newsroom for helping me wake up from kind of that liberal fantasy of yeah. like, well, the left, well, like not even left, like the left isn't true left, you know, yeah. in this country. Um, well, you know what um, for me was definitely is everyone sharing that clip from the newsroom where he's like, uh, America used to be great. Yeah. Which sounds a lot like another slogan. <laughs> <laughs> I have that in my notes. Yeah. And Every I'm just saying everyone on Facebook in the year 2012 that shared that video voted Trump. I'm just saying, like, I've only stayed in contact with a handful of those people, and the few I have I know voted Trump. So I'm just that's what happened. He was he was MAGA before MAGA, man. And he's definitely not a right-wing guy. No, he's not right-wing, but he's got the lib he's got the real liberal disease. Which is, I think there's a liberal disease that is, well, once they hear my take, then everyone's going to agree with me. Yeah. He's got a strong streak of that. And then also a lot of his takes aren't very good. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's also just clearly not like, you know, this is a collaborative medium. I don't think he's very collaborative. Uh, Mm. I hear as a director, he's better. um, But unfortunately, he's a bad director, too. Like I'm, I'm gonna try to like take my foot off the gas pedal and just like attack him. I, I want to actually talk about his work with this one because I, yeah, well, I no, do we'll get find to it. it. We'll get to it. Yeah. Um, but I also like I, I think it's very unfortunate that he's kind of like he became kind of like this rallying point about like you know like uh, liberal media destroys conservative pundit. Yeah. And it's like yeah, fuck conservatives. Like fuck all of them. Um. There's this whole uh, the trend kind of died out for a little bit, but then I I just saw the John Stewart clip trending recently about like him shutting down like this gun enthusiast, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah that's I think I'm just at the point where I'm like I don't want to take the joy of seeing that away from anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it it doesn't doesn't change anything. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think it's important to acknowledge that too, and like we need to start doing more than just like patting if it, ourselves if it on the did- back. Just the amount of it, speaking of Jon Stewart, just like in those Obama years, the amount of it that was everywhere in the culture, right? Yeah. Of like liberal shuts down conservative type shit, right? If it changed anything, we'd be in a very different world right now. Mm -hmm. We'd be in the exact opposite world. Yeah. Which is why I hate the newsroom. I Mm -hmm. I do think that series, that three seasons of it, it's the only show I've successfully hate watched uh, <laughs> at the time at the time of of, of recording this. Uh, by the time of uploading, that will probably have changed. Um, stay tuned to the Patreon for some thoughts on a TV show that was currently airing. Mm. Um, but you know he he has like this silver bullet with that series, which is like looking back on what happened recently in, in terms of like the, the political context of them. How can he write while sucking his own dick? the best versions of the aftermath of these events in human history mm-hmm. that's that's what that show is about yeah that's why um, that osama bin laden clip is so good oh it's it's atrocious now i will commend him for specific moments 
in season of that show where like the fbi no, not... comes like an antagonist in the final season yeah it gets like mildly introspective for like two episodes of its entire run like i'm gonna credit him he's not he's like, not without talent he doesn't yeah. like suck you know like yeah he's just like it's a it's because i was gonna say the moment i learn his name is the social network which at the time i don't think anyone really had any like strong criticisms of that movie um it's aged very weird it has i we I mean we're not we don't have that lined up on the docket yeah we maybe next year i mean we'll do that yeah. next year um famously lost to uh the king's speech yeah which is like wow yeah <laughs> wow one of those like jesus christ oscars <laughs> but there was a poll going around twitter recently about like what's the worst oscar winner from last decade and i was like well there's there's, <laughs> there's a couple there's, a, big there's ones. a few pretty it's weird they've somehow gotten better but also worse like yeah you know like green book is like what five years ago now yeah green book's trash I, I don't have strong opinions on Coda, but like it's also like one where like I have to be reminded that it exists. Yeah, it's it's a harmless movie, but also like why did that win Best Picture? Yeah, like, no. And there's like the weird one where like Spotlight beats Fury Road. You know, mm. I think Spotlight like, is a good movie. Well, what's weird like, is that you like know. you go like Fury Road is like objectively the better movie, right? Yeah, I put Spotlight on, and I'm like I could see that winning Best Picture. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm not really gonna complain. Yeah, that's a good movie. It's yeah. just fucking Fury Road. And this is another thing that's been going around Twitter because Creed 3 just came out at the time of this recording. And it's like, man, we had Creed and fucking Fury Road the same year. Yeah. Like, good Lord. And The Force Awakens. I still like that movie a lot. So, I do too, but yeah. it does also, I think what's happened now is that people have, re, like we've, like people have kind of turned on the soft reboot stuff because of force awakens you know mm -hmm. yeah and it's had this radiating effect where like now people lump creed in, in with that and it's like no creed's actually like great like creed's actually like a really good movie i mean that might be the best of these soft reboot things these yeah. legacy sequels it's like scream 4 and creed <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah but scream 4 is like way too early is the only problem i know i know uh, but, it's but social network was just like that was one where i'm like oh okay there's this guy named sorkin i guess he's a good writer and he also he had done uh charlie wilson's war which is another like another really weird movie mm -hmm. the movie about how we accidentally created al-qaeda <laughs> is that mike nichols last movie i think so yeah yeah to talk about a movie that has not that wasn't really good when it came out but also hasn't aged well <laughs> yeah I mean, but you know, shout out Mike Nichols. We were just talking about the birdcage before recording, and yeah. of course, they have the dolphin. They have the dolphin. We got to figure out how to get more Mike Nichols on here because, like, he is kind of one of those guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, the only the only thing that's good about that movie is Philip Seymour Hoffman breaking that guy's window. Yeah. Which is like, oh, like watch that scene. That scene has everything great and bad about Sorkin dialogue in it. You know, mm -hmm. where he's like making political points, and there's also dudes like yelling at each other <laughs> yeah. we should also mention um because i have more points about that specific bit you just the criticism aspect of it but you know he did like uh punch-ups a lot uh prior to his like before he became the aaron sorkin that people know today you know yeah so he did like work on like the rock right mm -hmm. 
because like this fucking i mean that alone is kind of like a fucking testament to his power mm-hmm. like I, I think a lot of that uh i mean uh, tarantino did too right tarantino did uh he's crimson tide oh okay 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 yeah which you can really feel it, honestly. Like, yeah, no, there's you... there's a bit with the fucking Silver Surfer reference. Silver Surfer, like, and then the horses hmm. that change color. Yeah, hmm, I wonder who wrote those. Yeah, or Scotty from Star Trek. There's a whole thing with yeah. that. So, um, but yeah, he's. I mean, he, and then that's the other thing is, and then the next year he does Moneyball, which is a movie I adore. I love Moneyball, uh, but he co-wrote that with Stephen Zalian, so. But Moneyball also has that like really tortured history to production where like what's his name was about to do it. Um, Soderbergh guy, what was that? Yeah, Steven Soderbergh. Soderbergh was like about to do it and then like left the production under not great circumstances. Well, I mean that whole uh, era. That's when he's like, I think I'm gonna fucking retire. Fuck all this. Yeah. And then he figures out how to just do it like on his own, and now he's back, baby. But also like to be to be like, I don't know how he was treated. I don't want to be like, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. But every version of Moneyball, his version of Moneyball, that has leaked out since Moneyball's release sounds like the worst movie ever made. <laughs> no offense to Soderbergh. But like he was gonna have like a little clippy from like clip art explain statistics to the audience. Like oh it God. just sounds terrible. Oh. Um, that's why he put the, he was gonna have Dimitri Martin in the movie because that was his whole thing as a comedian with like charts and shit. <laughs> um, it's just uh but Where's Bennett Miller been? Because he just did, he did a um, Foxcatcher and hasn't done anything. I don't know. He should do more. Yeah, he's a good director. But he's somewhere think... like there's huge gaps. Like there's already a six year gap between Capote and Moneyball, you know? Yeah. Well, now there's going to be a fucking 10 year gap if we don't get something soon. Yeah, I guess. I, guess I mean, hey, right. Todd Field had a 15 Yeah, Todd year Field gap. is another one where like, yeah, I mean, Little Children was 2006 and then he does Tar. Yeah, which and, I finally saw, by the way. It's fucking yeah, best movie horrific. of the fucking year. Like, yeah, I, I'm not gonna a, fight that. Movie's a fucking masterpiece, man. Yeah, that that yeah. was just amazing. It, it, I don't know if it's gonna be on Peacock at the same time, um, but I know yeah. it's also available there for people that have that yeah. or buy it. It's one to buy. I mean, yeah, just that's a movie to own. Um, unbelievable. Yeah, I remember watching uh, like a commercial for Little Children. It was in front of like a DVD of uh, some friends and I had rented for like a movie night. Is it that? Is like... it that trailer with the sound of the train in the yeah. background? Yeah, yeah, man. That's like a one of the most unsettling movie trailers of all time. Yeah, and I was like, "This is I." You know, I wasn't watching movies like that at that age, so mm-hmm. I was like, I had to seek it out, and then I saw it, and I was like, "I don't know," but I that was like really good. Yeah. Who is this guy? And it's like, oh, he's only made one movie before this. And I didn't see that until 10 years later. So like, yeah, who, who the hell is this guy? Oh, he was, he was in eyes wide. Shit. Yeah. Oh, he was. And then you find out he was like one of Kubrick's proteges. Basically. Yeah. Kubrick yeah. told him to make movies. That's <laughs> like, crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Like but, imagine uh, you're, you're just walking on the street. You start a conversation with Martin Scorsese and he's like, you should make pictures. Yeah. Yeah, the only guy, if, if I'll just say, this, if Tarantino ever says to you, you should make movies, don't make movies. He's never endorsed a good one. <laughs> at least, at least from what I understand. Hey, hey, him and Rodriguez. When he yeah, Rodriguez, Rodriguez already had a career by the time they teamed up. I guess you're right. Yeah. Like it's, it's, 
guys were Tarantino's like, no, you. And it's like, nope, never worked. But yeah, check out Tar, because Tar probably future failed awards contender. Because uh, it doesn't really seem to have the momentum this year. No, there was a moment where it did. Uh, I, I started listening to the DGA panel with all the directors, Spielberg. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. Um, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't finished it. I'm only like 30 minutes in because it's like a two and a half hour one. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and like they give a lot of like long answers. Yeah, which I mean, I'm glad for. Oh, Fuck no, it. I'm happy. But it is yeah. one where like it can't just be background noise, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. That's what I'm like. All right. If I'm like on my air walker or something, I'll have it on like on my PC or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't know how we got to Tar, but Tar is fantastic. And because it's the best fucking movie of the year. That's why we got to it. Um, what's up with Julian Glover having this like late career resurgence? You know, I just don't know. <laughs> Julian Glover's been popping up in so much shit like these past few years. It was a mainstay on Game of Thrones. Like, oh my god, that's right. That's wild, man. Fuck. Yeah, and he's so good on Game of Thrones as like a fucking worm. <laughs> like... I know. Oh my god, he's he's fantastic. I. <laughs> I didn't realize that for like the first three seasons. I know, me too. It was one of those where I was like, man, this guy's really good. I wonder what else he's been in. And it's like, he was in fucking Empire Strikes Back. Like, <laughs> it was like, it's that guy. Oh, apparently he was in the new Willow show. Oh, really? Oh, so, you know what? You were, you were talking up. This is that behind the scenes. We were like, we were like, we don't know what we're going to say about Mank. Like before we did the Mank episode. <laughs> Diego was talking up. He was going to have like a whole take on Willow. And then we just never got to it. Yeah, it didn't need to. I like it. Um, All right. I didn't, I didn't see the show, but I like the movie. Uh, that's, yeah. That's you know, it's I mean. weird. That show looks kind of good. Like. It, it does. Like, but like, I'm kind of like, I, there's no fucking way. Like, <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. So it's developed by Jonathan Kasdan, who, you know, co-wrote on Solo with, his dad yeah a movie right? that had no problems getting to getting made no not the writing problem i mean maybe the writing problem um but like there, there's a bunch of cooks in that kitchen whatever movie doesn't come together the way they would i like it my biggest thing is like this should have been the first net or uh, netflix this should have been the first <laughs> disney plus series they had not mandalorian like it's still mm, clearly yeah, built yeah. to be an ongoing series and so I'm more like confident in that take having seen the new Willow TV show trailers because mm. it looks like that same vibe, that adventure yeah. vibe that like when Solo was at its best it had. I'm like, yeah, it absolutely should have been a TV series, not a movie. What were you guys thinking? It's also just cool to see Warwick Davis like leading a TV show, you know? Oh, yeah. He's, he's fucking great. Yeah. Why did they take the Leprechaun franchise away from him, man? Because they're fucking cowards. That's so. That's such bullshit. It is. It like, is bullshit. And the one he was gonna, they were, they were almost ready to go on Leprechaun in the Old West. What? Like that was allegedly gonna be like one of the follow ups to Leprechaun Back to the Hood. Genius, and they fucked it up. Yeah, and then they just, I don't know, man. That's a weird. That's a. I mean, to be fair, that's a very weird franchise. Uh, no, it is. I'm. I'm not like defending the sanctity of it. I'm just like. Why would you? One of the few franchise, one of the few doing? slasher franchises that went to space, and then even the people making it were like, "We went too far with this one." That's <laughs> <laughs> like we got to bring it back to its roots. And then they're like, "Where do we take the leprechaun?" And then someone, they must, it must have been a late night. <laughs> it was like, I don't know the hood, 
and then they're like sure yeah that's where america was at that point yeah. you could still say like oh we just take it to the hood and people yeah. didn't fucking riot over and it's it. like yeah and it's the highest selling dvd of its year like <laughs> it's amazing um, I oh, just remember Ice, the line. Ice uh, T is in that fucking movie. In the first one, the the in, first yeah, hood one. I mean, yeah, the first Leprechaun in the Hood. It's Ice T. I forget if it's that one or Back to the Hood when mm-hmm. he goes, "A friend with weed is a friend indeed, but a friend <laughs> yeah, with gold I, is better." I'm told. <laughs> it could be either one, yeah. honestly. <laughs> which you know, which is a hell of a line. Yeah. But that's that's one of the weirdest pivots. But like it worked was what was weird. Like <laughs> who who did whoever did the market research to make that calculation should be the only trusted guy in Hollywood. Really? Like because yeah. there's no way that should work. Leprechaun in the hood. That was like <laughs> a big one. That was like I just remember whenever I went to Blockbuster, that was like always like a prime DVD. Like it was just like always in the prime spot, you know? Yeah. Which is so crazy to think about. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, what eat your heart Two- out, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Sorkin can never make anything even close to that. No, I mean, honestly, like we, we've talked about it before, probably on the show, even like I, I would think I would like him a lot more if he was writing like action movies or thrillers or yeah. something. Well, that's what what was weird was that's what I kind of liked about Molly's game was that it was mostly a crime film, you know, Mm -hmm. and then like that's when we were like, I'm like, this is actually pretty good. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. And then there's that last scene with Kevin Costner and like it's like all the goodwill I was given that movie just immediately left the film. Like, I don't think I've ever turned on a movie that hard. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't like I was in love with it. I just enjoyed it. And then that last scene is so terrible. And it's like Aaron Sorkin's like, I got this has to be about something. And it's like it really doesn't. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I think that's his big problem. He has to like espouse these lofty ideals. And like any writer worth their salt will tell you that like you can have like these these grand ideas in your story, like completely, totally. Like we should be trying to express something. The narrative should take care of that. You shouldn't have a scene devoted to espousing that. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think Aaron Sorkin's big weakness is that a lot of his stuff is just espousing these grand ideals. Yeah. And it's I like, mean, his his next movie was literally Trial of the Chicago Seven, yeah. which is a trial movie, which is mostly people just talking what they think. Yeah. Like, which I have avoided. I'm not interested in Aaron Sorkin writing like anarchists. Yeah, I'm not. I don't want to see his take on Abby Hoffman. Yeah, that's like. I mean, right there, that just sounds like a disaster. Mm-hmm. And then there was being the Ricardos, which like got okay reviews from what I remember, and got Oscar nominations. And everyone also was immediately like, "Okay, stop." <laughs> like because i haven't heard a fucking word from sorkin since then mm-hmm. like there doesn't even seem to be any hint of what he's going to do next okay on that same page of uh the aaron sorkin criticism the first page of that google search uh usa today aaron sorkin defends cuban casting says gay actors only playing gay roles is a bad idea i mean that last part i don't like super disagree with i think like they're just actors right 
Yeah, it's, there's, no, there's, it's but you know, but there's, so. a, there's complex, there's. It, it's a complicated like it's uh, complicated. I, I, it is not my lane, yeah. um, but I will say my lane is absolutely not casting a Cuban man to play Cuban. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's uh, don't don't do that. Um, I, I I don't understand what his deal is. Uh, he had to convince a. Uh, Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem because they were going to walk and he was like no 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 like trust me trust me this will be great and uh, it was not and now everyone forgot that movie existed except Nicole Kidman um, was nominated and Javier Bardem were both nominated for Academy Awards oh my god yeah see this is the problem with this country nowadays So that was a that was a last year was a weird year for the Oscars, man. Not just because of what happened during the Oscars, but uh, man, I'm looking. All right, like the most of the movies that won are like already completely forgotten movies. Mm-hmm. Like King Richard, I guess probably had some staying power, right? Yeah, like, people really like that movie. People have the wanted Eyes of Tammy you know? Faye. Oh, the disaster, which is like, yeah, like really bad. One best actress, um, Coda, which we already talked about. Then we get West Side Story in there, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Power of the Dog won best director, which you know, there's campion heads out there, but... yeah. And then screenplay was Belfast, which is just uh, like, uh... nope, <laughs> like... I don't know about nope, it's just not, it's, it's not quite there, it's not yeah. that. I like that movie. I like Kenneth Branagh. It's not that. It was Sorry, one of those, it was a Kenneth Branagh movie that should have just quietly been dropped in theaters, and then people have been like, you know, if you're a Branagh fan, it's interesting, and then never remarked upon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hey, uh, looking forward to them Oscars this weekend. That's when we're recording this, by the way. We don't know who's won yet. Is it this week? I thought it was next weekend. I thought it was this weekend. What the? F- I mean, that's a good sign for them, huh? Mm. Let me see. Academy Awards date. Uh, uh, yeah, March 12th. Oh, shit. Okay. Hollywood's Damn. host. Who's hosting? Oh, I don't even know. It's what Jimmy Kimmel sign? again. Why? <laughs> This is Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> I don't even, I'm not even like a Jimmy Kimmel hater. I'm just like, why? Because he's the like, only one that's been able to host it and it not be like a train wreck. Which is hilarious in hindsight because it's like he was hosting. He was hosting the when the, uh, yeah. And he does, he does tell a good story about that where he was like, when that was going down, he was like, oh man, the host better step in and do something. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny no and like look whatever jimmy kimmel there's um rightful criticism of him and stuff like that um there was a moment on that stage where he i don't think he's telling a joke i think he's being very vulnerable where he's like oh i'm sorry guys like we got to wrap up the show like i knew something would get messed up when i was hosting or whatever and i was like i don't think he's telling a joke i think he's like actually being like oh i fucked it up yeah well Jim, jimmy kimmel cries like every three weeks on the jimmy kimmel show yeah i think that's his charm you know yeah. it's it's what you either like about him or you fucking hate about him yeah like that's really what it comes down to yeah so uh congratulations to everything everywhere all at once for sweeping the oscars this weekend 
Woo! And, and sorry for all the lives lost in its aftermath. <laughs> was it you that tweeted like because that's what the movie is about? Like, yeah, as the movie, <laughs> as the message of the movie intended. Um, because that's you know where it's you know why it when did when did everything everywhere all at once come out? La- a year ago this month, I think. Yeah, that's why we're all like ready to kill each other over that movie. <laughs> We've been talking about it for a year, like. It's that's too long to talk about any movie, even a great movie. That might be too long to talk about anything. Yeah. And this is a podcast about talking too long about movies. Yeah. We haven't even started talking about Steve Jobs yet. Yeah, we haven't gotten there yet, but I'm just saying, like, that's why we're all ready. Like, we're all like, I have found the seven justifiable reasons to kill someone <laughs> for disagreeing with me over this movie. Like, <laughs> we've all gotten there. We all feel like we're on the morally correct side of that movie, no matter what side we're on. We had a year to think about it nonstop. And like, I, you know, I like the Daniels, they seem fine, but like a year of seeing their faces, you're just like, no, like, I don't want to see anyone that much. Scorsese like drops out of the public eye for a few months every now and then, you know? Yeah, yeah. He pops up and he's like, Marvel's not cinema. He throws another grenade into the room. like, <laughs> And then he leaves and goes to make another masterpiece or whatever. Yeah. And then then when that like doesn't like make a billion dollars, YouTube gets to be like, aha! Scorsese <laughs> like, says Marvel's not cinema, but look how much money his movie made. And it's like, yeah, I don't think he cares. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you're the only one that cares about that, buddy. Yeah. Would be nice if the Fableman's one, though. I know that that's what I'm pulling for, frankly. Yeah. Well, you know, what's going to piss me off genuinely. Like I really don't care. I do. I want the Fablemans to at least win screenplay, but if everything everywhere all at once wins screenplay, that'll annoy me. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's got to flip. Like, I guess it's the thing of like, if everything everywhere all at once wins screenplay and not picture a director, I'm cool. If it wins screenplay and picture and director, I'm going to be pissed off. Because, like, goddamn, give it just, like, one of these has to go to Spielberg is, like, kind of where I'm at mentally. Even though, like, Tar is in all of those fields as well. And Tar is objectively the best one. But... I don't I don't know if it's... If I can agree with you there, but it's so fucking good. Tar... I'm sorry. Tar is, like, such a fucking masterpiece. I just... I've been watching it over and over again. You know, like, I have been hankering to rewatch it. It's, I, I, it's so not good. my favorite of the year. But I do think last year, and we've talked about this a lot this season on the show, but like last year was fucking so many good movies. So many good movies stacked, last year. Yeah. You know? We're like, I'm looking back at like my top 10, like, well, I got to put Tarp in there like retroactively. Mm. And I was like, oh, I didn't even put like everything ever all at once in there. I got to, yeah. I got to move that around. And then I'm like, but what do I take out now? And yeah, I, exactly. I, oh, it's, it's all good. Well, so so also, I'm looking at the best picture nominees and like the only one that like I wrestle against, like, like I didn't like Top Gun Maverick, but it's also like I kind of get why it's there, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. it's it was a moment. But the only one I'm like, kind of like, no, is all quiet on the Western front. Yeah. If that wins best picture, then I'll be furious. But because like it's got that movie suddenly got some momentum behind it, kind of in the way Crash did. It's so, like mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous. I am, too. That'll be I the one like, where it's like you could like literally you can't miss this year, <laughs> <laughs> and they're gonna miss. They're, gonna, they're gonna miss the one mark. Yeah, like that would be that would be some. But wild like the shit. 
Yeah, you know why? It's because a lot of people are fucking stupid ass, like fake liberal Hollywood is going to be like, well, I'm against the war in Ukraine and this is an anti-war novel. That's 100% what they're pushing. That's 100% what they're pushing. Yeah. And the movie, it's not even quiet at the end. Like it's the whole thing. It's a big battle. It's the fucking title. I was drinking water, man. I almost choked on my water. (laughs) It's it's not even quiet on the Western front. (laughs) No, but it's like that's the final image. I know, yeah. It's it's, it's a really grim ending, and yeah. like the movie like doesn't know how to do it. Like, no, it gives them it gives them like a heroic finale. And it's like it's no! so like how do you miss the point that much? Like <laughs> so fucking stupid, so dumb. Oh my god. It, yeah, that's the one where it's like I'm good. Like any of those movies, I'm fine. You know, like yeah. even movies I didn't love, like I'm fine. But All Quiet on the Western Front, if that wins, I'm gonna be furious. Like. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. weird year. It is a weird year where it's like they kind of can't miss with like the amount of good movies, and they're probably still gonna find a way to miss. Like, what would be the worst choice in every category? Let's have to pull up the categories. I do want to talk about Steve Jobs. A I know, bit. but I like all quite on the Western Front. Best Picture would be bad. Best Director. It's kind of like a really stacked year. I'd be fine with any one of them winning. It feels like if the Daniels win, people are gonna be pissed. They are, but, but I'd be like, yeah, cool. They're they're oddly <laughs> probably the ones I'd want to see win the least, but I'm also not going to get too angry about it. Mm-hmm. Best you know, actor. I, uh, I thought Austin Butler had a lock until people really rallied around the whale for Brendan yeah. Fraser. Like, that's no one's talking like, about like, the movie anymore. They're talking about Brendan Fraser. And that's yeah, I'm like, I mean, that's All what right, my take, too, is that I think that movie kind of fails, but I think Fraser is great in it. Like, yeah. I mean, but, that's um, I haven't seen After Sun or Living yet. But I hear yeah. both of those actors are really good. I mean, Bill Nye. After Sun, I've heard a lot great. of good about. Um, haven't heard much about living. Um, um, I'm going to say Bill Nye is going to be the worst, not because of him or the film. I'm just because, like, it's he's, it's he's older and yeah. they may want to give him a legacy award, you know? Um, what was the one where Anthony Hopkins won that one year and he wasn't even there? Uh, that was for the year everyone thought Chadwick Boseman was gonna yeah, win. Yeah, and they did the Chadwick Boseman NFT or whatever the fuck. Like, yeah, it was a dis- it ended on a disaster. That was actually yeah. a pretty like solidly made like Academy Award, mm-hmm. but uh, like a uh, special. But what did he win for? Uh, the Father. Oh, okay. okay, which is actually a pretty good movie. And he's yeah, really yeah. Good I was I it. was trying to like was that one of those movies where like he won and like three years later you you wouldn't even know what that movie is, but that movie actually is all right. Yeah. Um, uh, the the director followed up with something called the sun, and it is apparently a disaster. Okay, <laughs> so I mean, you you got the last laugh there. I mean, it's it's not right to expect the son to live up to the father. Boo! It's <laughs> not even really a joke. That's just a statement. I know, but it's it's the worst. <laughs> Best um, actress. There's the Andrea Riseborough controversy. Oh yeah, which kind of makes me want to see her win. <laughs> like, I know me too, because like, there's all these fucking pundits that were like, "That was wrong." She clearly r- got people to rally around her, and it's like, why can't she do? It? Everyone else does yeah. it. With, Everyone like, else is back. It's like she didn't cheat the right way. Yeah, like, that's that's all it is. Like, it, it is. It's 100 percent like when people are like, "I bought my politician fair and square." Like, yeah, yeah you know. So like, fuck it. I kind of hope she wins too. Although but the worst, and I hate to say it, the worst win would be Anna De Armas for Blonde. Like that yeah. would be, she'd be the worst in that category i think she was a front runner before the movie came out yeah it was one of those where like people yeah. were kind of like polishing the award for her yeah and, <laughs> and now that I, I do think out. it's gonna be uh michelle yao 
Yeah, it'll probably uh, be. I mean, and you know not what? a bad career Oscar for her. You know, I like, do think she's fantastic. No, in no, that movie too. there's uh, yeah, she is great in it. I actually think like most of the people in Everything Everywhere Once are great. Like, yeah, it's it is one. If I'm gonna give that movie anything, it's the performances. Mm-hmm. Um, best supporting actor, another pretty stacked one. Um, people are kind of upset about Judd Hirsch being nominated for the Fablemans, no. but I kind—I kind of liked like him in it, you know. Yeah. Um, Brian Tyree Henry is is nice to see too. Yeah, I um, did see Causeway. Mm. It's all right. <laughs> it's good. All right. Yeah. yeah. So me, like, unfortunately, like by default, he might be the worst because no one's really seen that movie. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's gonna get another chance. And there's such there's, there's no such energy around a lot of the other nominees that it would be bad. Yeah, you know. I think I think he's got it also. Yeah, um, a legacy. It would honestly like he should have had. You know, it's it's weird like Hollywood like patting itself on the back for giving him awards, but then uh, like you know, hey, what you were the ones that ignored him. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's I, kind I think of fucked up in that way, but it's nice to see him kind of get to do this victory lap. Like, yeah, and and he is genuinely like I think he's the reason that movie works. You know, I think like so that, too. If that performance didn't work, the movie wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, He's the literal heart of the movie. Yeah. Best supporting actress. Uh, I mean, it's weird. I love Angela Bassett, but she might be the worst choice of those. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and everything everywhere all at once. Mm. Uh, she is good in that movie. It is mm. strange that she's gotten so much best actress play. Yeah. Um. So that she, she's my bottom wrong. Yeah, hey, I got that some. One. I got some bad news. My recording on Audacity just dropped, and I just lost everything. That's okay. I'm recording on the backup. All right, so let's just. We're, you're gonna have to use the backup then. Okay. Ugh, sorry about that. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. But uh, hey, um, yeah. What were you saying? Sorry. Um. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis wouldn't be a great choice either. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. But is, it is like no. it is one of those where like if she won though, I would just be like. Jamie Lee Curtis wins for Cross Out Everything Everywhere at Once. Halloween ends. Oh, like, yeah. I'm absolutely championing that if that happens. But I, yeah. I do think Angela Bassett's going to walk with it. Um, my I, my real choice is is, is uh, Stephanie Sue or Carrie Condon. Mm-hmm. I think Carrie Condon is amazing in, in Banshees of Innocence. Yeah, she's like quietly devastating in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. But Angela Bass is going to be, it's just going to be weird because, like, she does, like, she's overdue, but also, like, it's going to be weird that that's going to be the Marvel movie that finally gets Oscars. Like, yeah. that's the one, you know? Uh-huh. Like, that's, that'll be a little depressing. Um, but, hey. Uh, best original screenplay, I've already made my point about everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. <laughs> Adapted screenplay, um, All Quiet on the Western Front, definitely shouldn't win. Um, I mean, that, so like that would be the worst choice. It's weird. Top Gun Maverick has got a screenplay nomination. <laughs> I think I had my bit. I don't remember if we were recording for it, but like people were hyping up like, man, you gotta, you gotta respect that screenplay. It's so tightly wound. I'm like, yeah, there's not that much going on there. So it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they're like, oh, the editing, it's so perfectly timed and attuned. And it's like, again, there's not that much going on. You don't have to like, it, it's a big movie. It's hard to make. As the defender of that movie on this podcast, like I just do not understand the rallying around it. I guess it's like yeah. you just miss blockbusters, you miss well-made blockbusters. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I you do miss too. seeing money on the screen. Yeah, 
Um, and I think I'll, I'll stop at um, animated film because that's a stack category. It is. I think Guillermo del Toro is going to get it again. Like, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. There's some competition there. There's some. I mean, Puss in Boots got like this weird rally like right before. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's a good movie. It's a really yeah, good movie. It's solid. But so is uh, Turning Red, and I heard Marcel the Shell with the shoes on is is also quite good. You know, I I went to Puss in Boots not knowing like who else was in it. And the whole fucking movie, I'm sitting there going, who the fuck is Big Jack Horner? Like, this voice is so goddamn familiar. And then it was like, that was fucking John Mulaney. Like, yeah. That fucking, he, he, Mulaney gave a good voice performance in that movie. Yeah. And, uh, John Mulaney of, could, could do Sorkin. You know what he could? Yeah. That's weird. That's a weird thing to be good at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's the problem with all Aaron Sorkin stuff. Mm-hmm. Because what I just said, I stand by it, and I think I think uh, Mulaney would kill. Mm-hmm. All of Sorkin's characters sound the exact fucking same. Yeah, all of them. You yeah. don't notice it when they come in like incremental bursts, you know. But when his movies are specifically like just people talking in rooms, which is what they all are now, right? Which mm-hmm. is why I think people have turned on him more often than not. Um, it's really noticeable. I did notice that with the newsroom as well. And that's when I was like, hey, this is like not good. This I could like take what this person said, put it in that other person's mouth, and it's the same scene. You know what I mean? And that's like not great. That's not a good sign. Um, and Steve Jobs, I won't say I could replace what people say with each other's lines of dialogue. Uh, but like the movie is broken up into three perfect acts. That's what I'll say, right? Um, Diego, I have to stop you. Okay. Because there's some breaking news. Oh no. Right now. Oh no. That um is certain to rock the industry to its very core. Is it about Aaron Sorkin? No, it has nothing to do with anything we're talking about today. Oh, okay. Uh, the canceled Scooby-Doo DC crossover film, Scooby-Doo and Crypto 2, has leaked in its entirety. All right. <laughs> The first of the Warner Brothers Discovery movies that was scrapped for tax purposes to leak. You know what? That is actually pretty, like, that leaves me optimistic. Yeah, that more leaks will happen? Yeah. Speaking of leaks, uh, do you remember this, the Steve Jobs movie was, like, a big part of the Sony leaks? Oh, no. Please tell me. So, uh, it was just, when those leaks happened, does anyone even remember this? Oh, wait, is this the David Fincher one? It's partly David Fincher, but it was like a mix of David Fincher, um, Scott Rudin, who's a producer on this, um, Amy Pascal, who was the head of uh, Sony at the time, kind of going around and around about the Steve Jobs thing. And I believe Sony doesn't even end up putting it out, right? Like, it's Universal released this. So Sony lost it, but Sony was supposed to do it with Fincher. And I think they wanted DiCaprio to play Steve Jobs. I remember that. Yeah. And there's just a lot of emails of Hollywood Big Shots uh, saying things you maybe shouldn't put into writing. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, that was a lot of those emails. That's what I remember. What was that? That was a lot of those emails. I remember that. Well, they were the big thing was they were really talking shit about Angelina Jolie in them. Because the parallel project was Angelina Jolie's Cleopatra, which never got made. 
Do you remember this? I do remember that. This was like one of those big, it was like a passion project of hers. It never got made. Um, she really wanted Fincher to do it. And it's them being like, oh yeah, we'll talk to Fincher, to her. And then to each other being like, we're not fucking letting Fincher anywhere near this thing. Like, they're like, she's a middling talent. Like, fuck her. They say some really awful stuff about Angelina Jolie. Jesus Christ. Um, but Angelina Jolie also, it kind of sounds like she's shooting for the moon, which maybe that's what you're supposed to do, where she's like, well, if we can't get Fincher, maybe we can get Martin Scorsese to direct it. And I'm like, I would like Scorsese to direct my movie too. <laughs> but that doesn't mean he's going to jump to direct the Cleopatra movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and like, uh, this is not me being disrespectful to her or at least not trying to be like you know actors sometimes are not always um it feels like maybe they're not based in the same reality sometimes i mean it's complicated and but but i also should i, she I think you have to shoot Cle- for the moon like that i think you're right should she have been playing cleopatra uh no really not. when really is not. gods of egypt i feel like that's like the moment where people are like oh yeah you can't do this anymore 2016 yeah I mean, Exodus, Gods and Kings, I think, was the first time it was like, oh, oh yeah, Exodus. That. I always forget and then, Exodus. Yeah, and then Gods and or, uh, Gods of Egypt, excuse me, yeah. came out. And, and then, but yeah, that was like 2014. So yeah, so they had two years they were sitting on the Gods of Egypt movie, mm-hmm. and Alex Price was like, "There's nothing wrong with this." Yeah, there's nothing wrong. We can do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, isn't now there's a Cleopatra movie coming out with uh, Wonder Woman in it, right? I don't know if that's going to happen. It probably won't because it's, it, I mean, they announced the Angelina Jolie one and then just didn't happen, right? Like, yeah. So, I, yeah, I doubt that's going to happen. Man, talk about a fucking fall from grace, the fucking Patty Jenkins thing. That's kind of depressing. It is, man. Like, like that's, I, I she's feel... only made three movies and two of them are Wonder Woman movies that, through her, through no fault of her own, maybe some faults um, are not going to age great. Yeah, but like it's you know it's, he's clearly like talented, and part Other of like people first... have made worse movies and, and continued. Yeah. But there was that weird remember it, like got a best picture nomination, and or like they tr- did it get a best. I remember they were talking about it. Uh, Wonder Woman. No, yeah, yeah, they want people really wanted it to get a best picture nomination. It didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, but people really wanted, and everyone like really reacted negatively to it, mm-hmm. and like she was in serious talk. I was like, she was on all those director panels before the nominations came out. Remember? Yeah, yeah. And I think people were kind of like, we're overcorrecting with Wonder Woman. And then that second one wasn't very good. And then people are just like, well, we're done. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, there's all there's that was that was so weird. That It's so weird to think about, like, how big that Wonder Woman movie was when it came out. And now I don't know how it would play today. I don't know either, and it's like I I think unfortunately like they kind of I remember liking it, whiffed but also it character. loses me in like the last twenty minutes. Oh. As a defender of that ending, uh, at least like thematically and conceptually, mm-hmm. like I, I don't really have an interest to go back and watch it now. Yeah, you know. But but I don't know. God, that's strange. Yeah, it's it's real unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But she's supposed to be the one doing the Cleopatra movie, or at least she was talked about. And that's probably not going to happen. And then she was supposed to do Rogue Squadron, which also didn't happen. Uh, which not like, but no one wanted that. That was such a weird thing. No. God, she like bet on like every wrong horse. I don't know. 
That's, but what they should do with Rogue Squadron is just make it like a B plot to the movie. She's like, you know how Last Jedi has like basically like a submarine thriller. Yeah, you know, like just, just or, do something like that. Or um, just make another Rogue Squadron game. Or that, like, why not? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's been a while. <laughs> just, just put that out. But um, yeah, I just remember like they were, and then there's like David Fincher just being like. Yeah, I'm, I'll I'll do Steve Jobs, I guess, and then just being like, "Nah, I'm not doing this anymore," <laughs> and just bouncing to the annoyance of everyone involved. Um, it's so weird. It was like it was gonna be Fincher for a while, and then it was like this movie's dead. It's never gonna happen. Do you remember that too? No, I think I missed that. Like there was a moment where it was like, "It's this movie is just not gonna get made. It's too late. We missed the window." The Ashton Kutcher Jobs movie came out. Do you remember this one? I do. I remember not hating that. Are you out of your fucking mind? I have not seen it since it came out. But Jesus I remember not Christ, that, that movie is like the worst version of a biographical film ever. Oh, okay. Like, so it doesn't. And guess up. what? Made more money than Steve Jobs did. No way. Yeah, Steve Jobs made thirty-four million. The Ashton Kutcher grave robbing film made forty-two million. Wow. Ashton Kutcher is Steve Jobs and Josh Gad is Steve Wozniak. You know what? Uh, Josh Gad, not a bad choice. Yeah, not not the worst. No. Gad's not the worst. It's just the Hollywood was like, you're going to love this guy. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things, you know? Yeah, and he was just everywhere for a while and people were like, no more of this, please. Yeah. I have have better things to do. Did you ever see uh, Pirates of Silicon Valley? No, no, I haven't. Um, it's just kind of a TV movie that is about both Jobs and uh, Gates and kind of their rise. Um, I don't remember who played them. Let me check. Um, Noah Weil played uh, Steve Jobs and Anthony Michael Hall played Bill Gates. And uh, fucking John DiMaggio's in it. <laughs> Damn. And Steve Ballmer. Uh, and Joey Slotnick, the great Joey Slotnick. Anyone remember Joey Slotnick? <laughs> he was Steve Wozniak, and his Wikipedia page is a picture of him with Steve Wozniak. <laughs> um, I think Seth Rogen is fantastic in Steve Jobs, though. We've talked more about the people who didn't even make this movie <laughs> than the guy who actually did, who is uh, Danny Boyle. Yeah! Um, Danny Boyle. This is, comes in a weird place in his career. Oh, did I lose you? Shit. No, 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 no. I, I thought you were going to uh, go into a point. No, no. Uh, well, I was just going to say, like, Danny Boyle makes a name for himself. Shallow grave train spotting, right? Yeah. Struggles for a little bit. Doesn't really connect with Hollywood. Does 28 Days Later. Boom. He's like a genre filmmaker now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He does. There's a movie called Millions, which I don't think anyone saw. <laughs> I have not seen that, no. Um, he did a movie called Sunshine. Which, uh, you remember Sunshine? I do. I love Sunshine. Yeah, movie that bombed, though. It, it bombed uh, horribly. But, but a stacked that... cast, like, before yeah. a lot of them got big. Yep. Um, including uh, Michelle Yao, speaking of the Oscars. Mm-hmm. There's that weird one where Michelle Yao doesn't do, like, any action movies and is, like, bit parts in other movies. Yeah. They did well, not know what to do. about that. No, she, she has talked about that, though, too, because part of that was her own decision, too. Where she didn't want to just be like doing it. Actually, she wanted to be like an actor. But they never like, gave her she... a lead. 
No, no, that that's yeah. true. Yeah. And, like and, it would make sense if she did like a lead thing, but she was constantly supporting roles in non-action movies. Mm -hmm. And that was a weird bit for her. But uh she uh Daniel Bull is responsible for Alex Garland getting bigger, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um because Garland I forgot he uh he wrote the beach, which is he wrote the book The Beach, which I've never read. Um, which is the basis for the film The Beach, which is kind of like one of the most notorious, like not like a bomb, but it like underperformed because it was Leo's follow-up to Titanic. Mm -hmm. um, and it's got Moby in that trailer. Yeah. Moby was not, really not a, big not, in the 90s. Not a good movie, but no. um, then out of nowhere is follow-up to Sunshine is Slumdog Millionaire. Which, uh, speaking of Oscars, won Best Picture that year. Yeah. Um, first movie I believe shot on all digital. I brought this up to win Best Picture, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of a big deal when it happened. Uh, that movie was kind of huge when it came out. I remember it. You know, it was gigantic. Yeah, it, fifty it million dollar budget made three hundred seventy eight million. Mm -hmm. Like that was big. It was also one of those where like, it was one of those ones where people were like, at the time, the buzz on it was like, this is a good movie is it cultural appropriation? Like it was mm -hmm. like a, like a little whisper. Yeah. And now I think people are like, how the fuck did that get made? Yeah. I have not revisited. I do not know if it has anything of substance in it really. <laughs> yeah. I haven't revisited it. I did like it a lot at that time period. Like I, yeah, I thought I it was a solid movie. Um, um, and I like just from the, the stills, I do think it's like a beautiful looking movie. <laughs> Yeah, um, the conversation around it is not mine to have. I'm gonna yeah. leave that to the experts. Um, and because I, I let's check like, in with out, what you know? the people on Letterboxd are saying. Um, which everyone I follow um, is not Indians. <laughs> yeah, and there's no real. Yeah, no one's got. Everyone's kind of the highest I'm seeing is like three stars from people I follow, which might be it's like. Yeah, but that was it was huge when it came out. Like mm -hmm. it was well, and it was like this weird thing of be like, is this? I think that's the reason why something like Life of Pi gets made shortly after. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. people are like, is this where movies are going? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. So he goes from like, he goes from being the train spotting guy to being the Twenty Eight Days Later guy to being the Slumdog Millionaire guy, and then he's in this weird. Uh, he makes Oscar bait movies, kind of. You know. Mm -hmm. um he does 127 hours um which was a movie that was like the buzz on that was that people were fainting while watching it yeah i remember that because like that was like how they advertised that movie <laughs> mm -hmm. um which is a movie about a guy who got himself stuck <laughs> that's what that movie's about <laughs> yes it's a, a, a true but, yeah. story about a guy who got stuck and then cut his arm off um which is i mean what's that movie about that guy who climbs free solo remember free solo i do remember free solo documentary about that lunatic um is that guy alive did he die <laughs> i have no idea it feels like we're just it's it's like grizzly man where we're just waiting like <laughs> you know <laughs> no offense to that guy that's the word like they scanned his brain and they're like, you know that part? Like everyone's supposed to have a survival instinct in their brain. You don't have it. Mm -hmm. We're just kind of like, okay, that explains some things. Um, but yeah, that that was uh 
probably the last moment we liked um, James Franco. Was that the year he was nominated for Best Actor and then also hosted the Academy Awards? I don't think it was. Shit, maybe actually. Because yeah. I know whatever oh, year it was, right. he was also. He, yeah, and that's the year he like basically threw Anne Hathaway under the bus, like in the middle of it. Yeah, like yeah, he just so gave up. And people like really were against her. And then I think when he came out as a creep later, people like reevaluated it a little bit. Yeah, like, I mean, like I, I think people were like against Anne Hathaway because she kind of has like theater kid energy, but she's like, I don't. Who gives a fuck? You know? Yeah. Like, like Anne Hathaway had the weird. She has that like theater kid energy. She had the weird, like, oh, she was the Princess Diaries and Ella Enchanted, and now she wants people to take her seriously, you know? Which is, like, such bullshit to get put against her. I know, I know. Um, and then you see anything she's done in between, and it's just like, wow, she's fucking remarkable. She's a good actress, actress, but it was also that thing of, like, she was Catwoman, and people were kind of iffy about that, you know? Mm-hmm. People were like, I don't know. And then she's she wins the Oscar for Les Mis, and that's one of those things where I didn't realize how much of the general public didn't realize that character basically dies 10 minutes in. <laughs> like, I thought we were all on the same page about that, but I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't know it, but... You really didn't? No. How do you? How do people not know this? Remember all these conversations we've had about how much I realized, like, I missed out on in my actual education? I, like growing yes, up, like, but, I, like, I didn't read like The Hobbit in middle school. Well, I read no, The look, Hobbit because like I like Lord of the Rings. Look, look, here's the thing. Like, yes, I I was not educated on like it wasn't like I was in school and they're like read Les Mis. Like I sought this stuff. I, I just thought it was general. Like, oh hey, plays. What are some popular plays? Like I did. Didn't anyone else do that? I did that. I didn't do that with Les Mis. Real, yeah, but like Les Mis was like huge when it was out. I don't know. I don't know, man. I was only uh, uh, I had passing knowledge of, of the film as it was Jeez. coming out, and then I saw it, and I was like, "Hey, it's uh, not like, great." Was I'm just I'm just trying to like, am I the only one that was like, "Oh, painting? Who's who are painters? Rembrandt?" Like when I was like in middle school, like that's how what I googled when I was bored. <laughs> like, did am I the only one that did that? Probably not on this podcast maybe <laughs> i'm just i'm kind of i just assume that like some people know these things like i i get it. i have my blind spots too you know mm-hmm. like i i i don't know there's a, there, there's more <laughs> there is so little i actually know about the world <laughs> but i just assumed everyone at least knew as much as i did you know the thing where like you're like if everyone's dumber than me then the world's fucked yeah <laughs> like i'm fucking dumb as hell man like <laughs> Uh, all right well now that we've relitigated that but um, yeah. all right so 127 also, hours. she was uh she almost married a guy who was like convicted of a massive fraud uh, and hathaway yeah does anyone remember this oh shit no what who was this guy let me see if i can find his name it's got to be under like personal life thing um um raffaello fullerelli Ferelli. He misappropriated a $15 million investment from Bill Clinton <laughs> meant to buy Roman Catholic churches in the United States. 
Uh, it was a big scandal when it happened. They were dating for a long time. He was like kind of like a Ponzi scheme-ish type person, mm. you know, where like he was taking in more money and just kind of spending it on his lavish lifestyle. He was kind of like a Madoff type figure. And they were like this close to getting married. And then like the scandal broke. And there's like a, a lot a lot of people were like, because she wasn't charged with anything. And people were like, oh, what did she know? And I don't, I actually, I truly believe she didn't know anything, but it, it was something that kind of hung over her for a little bit. Um, that's I'm surprised, that's bad. another thing I'm surprised most people don't remember. Um, but hey, hmm. she, yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know. What is she doing now? What has she done lately? Uh, oh, she got very popular on like uh, TikTok and Twitter and Instagram because she was like partying it up with a bunch of gay people in Italy or something like that. And oh, she looked hey. like she's having the time of her life. Good for her. Yeah, no, it was like fucking people turned against her for like a decade and we could have been having this the whole time. It was so weird that like you'd bring up her name and people were like ready to like kill her. Like, I know, I know. It, it's there, so it happens. It happens to some actors and actresses. I just, I've, I'm like, I've never had that strong opinion on any actor that hasn't committed a crime. You know what else did it? We totally skipped over it. Her Alice in Wonderland appearances. But she's technology. good in that. She gets the vibe. Of yeah, she movies. gets the yes. vibe. She's the only one in that fucking movie that gets the vibe of it. She's yeah, Johnny Depp is in both of those. You people have no fucking whatever. Yeah. Um, oh, she yeah. was in Colossal, which people really like. Um, she's very good in it. Colossal feels like one of those movies, though, where like people liked it when it came out. And I think people have gotten a little lukewarm on it since then yeah i i should um, love that movie i don't hate it yeah i just i was also in interstellar which was like for a while people didn't know what the fuck to do with that movie oh yeah and, yeah That's and one. particularly her performance in it yeah um, and i think myself and many other people have since revisited it and have gotten much more on its wavelength i think I, people wanted her character and that movie to do different things than it did and having accepted what it is yeah i appreciate it they want a lot of people wanted that movie in general to just be what it wasn't you know yeah yeah Um, and uh i've since changed as a viewer since then so i I was much more receptive to it um and oceans eight she kind of steals that movie yeah but that movie's not very it's it's good it's not it's not the director is the problem everything else yeah that's the thing it's like you just it's you can't just you know yeah you can't just throw out sorkin i guess but She's in Serenity, the weirdest goddamn movie to ever get a green light in Hollywood. One of them, yeah. Oh, Dark Waters? Yeah. She uh, she plays the, the... Oh, yeah, the movie that, like, no one saw. Yeah, it's so fucking good. Yeah, it's a really good movie. It's so fucking good. But she she does play, like, the um the nagging wife role a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I guess fault. that's why I didn't think of her, because, like, she's kind of... Mm-hmm. That's kind of her role in it. She's also in The Hustle, which was one of those attempts to make Rebel Wilson a thing. Yeah. Oh. Is Rebel Wilson bad? I don't know anything about Rebel Wilson. I don't know anything about her either. Other than like um, she keeps popping up in movies that I hate. <laughs> yeah, I, I think she had some uh, some personal issues that uh, kept her out of the spotlight for a bit. So I, I don't know. I don't know anything beyond that. But... It's not her fault if she if she ends up in bad movies. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, hey, uh, but that was she kind of was like a Joss Gad where like Hollywood was like you're gonna love her. And it's just like a little too much too quick. Yeah. And you'd think they'd learn the lesson by now that that never works. I think it's something that happens where like 
they correctly sensed that they could be the next big thing, but then too many people want a part of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. and then the person involved maybe doesn't, you know, sometimes you just say, I, like, you, if someone like her, where maybe she's like, you know, a comedic actress, you just say yes to everything. Yeah. And maybe or- you don't realize you're saying to a little too much i mean it's know? like uh when when you discover melissa mccarthy like her breakout performance in bridesmaids it's like oh yeah she's awesome and then she's like everywhere and it's like wait 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 but she's so she's really good as an actress she's she got, is good she's, she's actually good it's like the movies and still. scripts that um oh Anne hathaway was the lead in the d reese film the last thing he wanted which is one of those movies where you're like I would, that movie was a baffling film. Um, I had never saw it. It's it's D. Reese's follow up to Mudbound. Oh no! And it's I it's kind of like the movie feels like it's almost in an unreleasable state. Like <sighs> it, that's a it, shame. It's a it had a little bit of the snowman vibe, honestly. Oh, uh... just like what the hell happened here? And it's one of those where like I'm waiting for a story to come out that's like, like 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 a camera exploded and we lost half the footage or something like <laughs> yeah because mudbound's great yeah yeah because mudbound's really good or or someone smarter than me is going to be like actually the last thing he wanted was genius and no one could keep up with it i'm waiting for one of those two things to happen because mm-hmm. like either way I, nothing can really and then d reese hasn't done anything since then so which is a shame damn um so hopefully she gets another movie at some point um, yeah and oh, she was the Grand High Witch in the Witches, uh, the the Robert Zemeckis Witches movie. Yeah, the one that Del like, Toro almost did. Yeah, the one that Del Toro almost did. And like, there's a like, I'm trying to figure out if Zemeckis and Del Toro are like fighting behind the scenes because they there's that situation, and then they both release a Pinocchio movie the same year. Like, there's something going on there. It's, it's a coincidence right now. Yeah, right now it's time. a coincidence. <laughs> if it does the third but... time, you might be right. Yeah. Um, but let's see, what, what else did Danny Boyle do before this? Uh, well, he did, uh, what's that fucking movie? Um, there's one kind of oddball one that I can't remember the name of. Trance? Yes. I like Trance a lot. Which, yeah, I saw Trance, and um, I remember being like, yeah, that was pretty good. And I don't think I've revisited it since uh, he's just he's having a ball doing like a stylistic crime thriller yeah you know? that's what it felt like yeah and you know also like, it I, felt I like he was having a, a ball having rosario dawson in this film oh yeah considering some of the choices that movie makes yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you got a point there <laughs> um but uh yeah and then it's steve jobs and then it's weird where it's like steve jobs was like teed up to be this oscar contender and then it did like I don't. What did it do? Did it get nominated for anything? Got nominated for best actress, I believe. Hang on, I just fucking had this open. I'm sorry. Best Hang actor on. and best supporting actress. There we go. Thank you. And that's it. And neither one. Yeah, I mean, it got other nominations in like a bunch of different like award circles, <laughs> but for the Academy Awards, which is what we're basing this series off of. Yes. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it and, didn't win a lot of other awards either. And it people won, like, were expecting it. People were expecting it to be the next social network, you know? Yeah. Which is a movie that made over $200 million. And this movie makes it, it, it flopped basically. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a shocker. I remember people being really surprised that this movie didn't do well. 
Um, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, how long I is this died. after uh, Jobs actually died? Uh, yeah. Jobs dies in 2011, so it's four years later. And maybe that was just like slightly too long, but yeah, maybe people were crying when he died. <laughs> I don't remember that. I, I remember, you remember it was a big like public people were like people were like oh no like what we've lost like, one people of the were outside icons. of Apple stores crying after Steve Jobs died. That's that's really depressing. Honestly. And and I just want to point this out that like when when uh, Kim Jong Il died not too long ago. There were all these videos of like, look at the people crying at his statue in North Korea. Look how brainwashed these North Koreans are. And then I just, all I can think about is people crying outside Apple stores when Jobs died. Like, like what? Like at least that was their leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, this is the story of like america right it's, yeah. it's like the worst part of america is just like idolizing <laughs> these figures that that just like steal from people yeah <laughs> like sorry but that's kind of well that's, that's where all right let, that's where we got to get into the meat of this which is like how did we feel about steve jobs when he died how did we feel about him when this movie came out and then how do we feel about him now because there's a lot of shifting landscapes in terms of that. Well, um, I think for me, it's tied, funnily enough, to my relationship to Aaron Sorkin as a writer. Mm. Because like I mentioned, the newsroom, that's the part of my life where I'm starting to like reevaluate some things. Where I'm like, is this stuff not, is this not enough? You know, mm. is talking about this stuff not enough at this point? Like, are the people in power not doing enough? <laughs> is it enough to comment just on what's happened already? Like, I'm not really getting a lot out of this, whatever. Um, and then at the point, I'm not like a Steve Jobs fan. I'm definitely not someone crying. I don't think I knew enough to dislike him, though. You know what I mean? Like, I just I just wasn't seeking mm. that. Out. I wasn't aware enough. I, I should have been more aware, obviously. Um, but I, I was like, oh, yeah, like a, like a cultural icon, whatever. Um, and then by the time Jobs comes out, I'm like, "Hey, wasn't he kind of an asshole?" Yeah. <laughs> like, why do we like him? Um. What did you own any Apple products growing up, and what was the what were the first ones you owned? Uh, the very first Apple product I owned was the the the, the desktop, the the iMac. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got it in 2004, 2003, and um. That was that like was, a family? Uh, was that like a computer for the family, or was that like your computer? It was my computer. It was it was a gift. I, I didn't get yeah. a lot of expensive gifts like that growing up, just yeah. money wise. But you know, I'm happy to say, like like my mom in particular, and even my dad to an extent, like were very supportive of like my creative endeavors. Yeah, from a younger age, um, and so they were like, it was kind of like an investment into my future. They they had said like. You know, like, do it's like you could have your games on it and whatever, and like you couldn't really play a lot of games on. Yeah, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that they didn't know that they were genuine, right? <laughs> like they weren't trying to like, like throw me a curveball. Um, but they they were like, it's easier to use than PCs because I, you know, to to date, I still don't really understand PC. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I just don't know all this shit. Um, but it was much easier to use, and it was like, uh, I, I would like scribble down like ideas or like. <laughs> 
stories that I that I had in my mind and like it was a big like like boom to me like I would play chess on that Mac yeah for, for I, I couldn't tell you how long also I still own that computer because I almost fucking beat the computer and then installed out and I can't finish that game I swear <laughs> to god I am one move away from a checkmate and it's not letting me fucking finish wow yeah well then what a fucker that computer is. I know it's been over 15 years you know what it's, Does it's that like, sum up Steve Jobs better than anything? Yes, else? It fucking change the rules. Maybe that's also what like helped me click. Like, hey, the system's rigged. Yeah, <laughs> you <laughs> finally beat the system. Not and me like, nope. Yeah. Um, I have an oddly similar story to you, where I also got a Mac, um, at around the similar age, in a, a family's attempt to flourish some of my creative endeavors, and it's one of my bigger regrets that I got it. I got it a little too young, you know, mm-hmm. like my family's trying to help, but like, I didn't know what to do with it. And I, I, my family probably spent a good amount of money on it for me, like, cause they loved me. And like, I just, I could, I, I could make some stuff with it, but I didn't really know how to take advantage of all the tools at my disposal. And I really regret how that played out. Cause that ended up being my computer for like the next like 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. And the next one had to be one I bought. And then I ended up buying a PC by then. Cause then by then I was on like team PC, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I had a similar thing like that. They also had uh, did your school have Macs? Like were they the primary computer at your school? Uh, they became that mm-hmm. as I got older. I remember at least in elementary to like uh, junior high, they were PCs and they, they started shifting them out. I remember specifically one year they were like all pcs in the student library mm. and then when i came back over the summer i'm like in seventh and eighth grade by this point they're all like max now wow i my school did the opposite which is strange huh uh, my school when i and but i'm talking about like when i went to El, we had a computer lab when i was in elementary school did you have that yes yeah. yes we did and we would go to the computer lab for computer class and it was when I started, this is like kindergarten. It was like old Macintosh computers, like really old. And like the, uh, like it's, you know, like they can do like three colors, maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how old they were. And we had one in the classroom too. We had one for like, oh, every now and then you can use it during free activity time or whatever. And it was weird. It felt like every two years we got a new batch of Macs going forward from them. There must have been some like tax incentive or something going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we slowly saw we had that weird we're like when, when they did the Macs that were all the different colors, which is a big part of this movie, by the way, the uh, launch yeah. of the iMacs. Um, we had those. And then when I get to middle school was when they started moving to the like flat screen Macs. Remember them? Mm hmm. And those were like, and then we had, did you have the, uh, the cart that had, um, laptops in them? Did you have this? I don't, I don't remember those. Probably not. So it's like a giant, um, it's like a giant cart and it has inside of it, like 32 laptops all charging constantly. And it would be wheeled to different classrooms based on who was going to use them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. 
and you had to remember what number you used because that was where you know your files would be saved on there you know what i not the laptop thing but the computer lab thing we had the assigned computers yeah yeah like we had that, that sounds too. appropriate yeah yeah this it was kind of like the computer lab came to you and they were really primitive mac books you know mm -hmm. um and it, i'm just i'm just thinking about how ever present the apple products were in my childhood you know um did you own an ipod i did and i bought i have several of them i bought two of them with my own money not at the mm -hmm. same time right i had like the the ipod nano mm -hmm. and then i upgraded to the ipod video i didn't have any before that I couldn't afford any yeah um and then eventually i get the uh I, I make the jump just to the iPhone after a certain point, but I had okay. that iPod video lasted me until I got an iPhone. So it's like fucking eight years. I still have that. my uh, iPod. I think the second generation of iPod video. I think I still have mine. I have my iPod video, my iPod nano. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I even have some of my old cell phones still. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not like hoarding them, although I kind of am, but I'm like, I'm not, I'm not like collecting them and like, I just have yeah. them, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I got to like recycle them properly. You know, I feel, I don't want to just throw them in the trash. As they're recycling, but also I usually like, I get paranoid about all my data that I have on there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, Oh, what if I give it to the wrong person? And they, I don't know. I like, and like, what do I have? I got nothing on there, <laughs> but like, I get paranoid about that. And then uh, also I use, I, I try to use all my electronics until they just die on me. So then they just become like little like door stoppers, basically. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, you know, like my iPhone, I guess, is already like quote unquote out of date that I have mm. right now. Yeah, I got it in 2019. It's not, <laughs> it's just fine, you know. Like it's it still works. The, the battery dies a little faster. That's it. Now the other thing I remember when the iPhone was announced. Do you remember when the iPhone was announced? Was it 2006, 2007? It's like, it's like 2006 when they first announced it. And it was like a news story. And then the next day I go to school and my, my uh, tech teacher, we had a tech class, um, was like, this is going to change everything. Like he, he just told the class this. Mm -hmm. Like this is going to be huge, the iPhone. And it was, I mean, yeah. we're the, the smartphone revolution, man. Yeah. Um, and now, now the the weird we have all the world's information in our pocket at all all times. Yeah, and, and we're uh, also no, everything's touchscreen. Yeah, all that. I mean, yeah, because that was a big like that was in that era. Remember, like Blackberries were huge, and they had like the built-in mm -hmm. little mechanical keyboards. Yeah, and I had that friend who had like a phone. It was like a flip phone, but not like flipped up. It like sideways, and you would like pop a keyboard out of it so you could send text messages. Yep, everyone thought they were super cool, and I just yeah. had my little, the one that slid open from the top. You know, it's not it's not even like yeah. a, a huge thing. It's like here are the the twelve buttons that you can use to type in the numbers. Mm. <laughs> that's it. All right, you want to know want a window into how psychotic I am? Um, do you still use your BlackBerry? No, no, I do not. Okay. Although I probably I, I would like do, and it's like kind of impressive that it's I honestly on. part of me wants to pivot back to it. You know. Yeah. I mean, I do like the keyboards. I'm not like anti-keyboard. I need to come up with something because like I, what I really want to do is I want to be able to tap out from the world more than I do. But mm -hmm. like I need my phone for certain things I just do on a daily basis. So it's always in my hand. So like I'm always tempted to like go to the apps and stuff like that. Yeah. And 
I regret it, you know, but <laughs> um, so like part of me is like, maybe I should go back to like a Blackberry because it's just the keyboard and like text messaging, right? Like, yeah, it's much simpler stuff, but I did not of my generation, like, and my family basically comes to me in like eighth grade and is like, do you want a cell phone? We'll get you whatever you want. And I'm like, no. I, and my, my logic wasn't even like anti cell phone. I was just like, right now, the iPhone is, it was out. But I'm like, I know smartphones will get better in a few years. So I want to wait until I get to like the second or third generation of these things. So it'll be a little better. <laughs> and I made it to like the middle of high school without a cell phone. And I was kind of known for that because my friends could never get in contact with me. <laughs> I was constantly having to go to the school office if I wanted to use the phone to call someone. <laughs> it was, uh, and I don't know why I was so like, I was so, I am, I'm not getting it. And then I didn't even get an iPhone. I got like a droid and I've been a droid guy ever since. So. Um, and that's why you don't have the blue bubbles. Yeah. And that's why I get like when you like a text of mine, people are like, it says, it just sends my text back to me with like, liked by this person. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Takes me a minute every time. Um, yeah, I kind of became like anti Apple at a certain point. Like I became a real big PC guy, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I still am. And uh, yeah. And then everything kind of became iPods after that. And now that we live in this like hellish world, that <laughs> like everyone's trying to be Apple. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it's, it, it paints how you watch this movie a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, where like at the end of the movie where it's supposed to be like, Hey, I'm going to put all your music into that or whatever the fuck in your pocket, whatever he says, it sounds more like a threat than an endearing thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is the other thing that Sorkin's short-sighted with is that he's never really introspective or, like, he's not asking questions about the way things are. You know what I mean? He's just trying to be right about stuff in hindsight. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that's, like, like, again, I'm not trying to just shit on him, but, like, it's such a detriment to, like, the pizzazz of his writing, you know? Mm -hmm. The energy of his stuff, the... the the finite points people end sentences with like mm. it ends up fucking it all up because it's like he's written this story about a man who's such a control freak who needs to control every aspect of human existence down to the way like it fucks up his relationships all of them right but he's still insistent on that like no like great men have to like suffer greatly thing so they can they can make the world better and he just he has no other other like methodology behind his writing. Like it, people need to suffer for greatness, and I, I find that a little gross, frankly. Because mm. like the movie ends on such a positive note, like oh, like he does love his daughter, and it's like I don't I don't know if that's true. <laughs> to be honest, I don't well, know. Well, it her. gets to me. Um, it but... gets that ending, and I'm like, that's what this movie's about. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's... Like, and look, I still fundamentally disagree with his, like, approach to the material. But if you want to, like, twist that knife further and make it, like, more of a tragedy, like, he's got that line at the end where he's like, I'm poorly made, uh, which is just, like, saccharine bullshit. But, like, you don't end on the on the positive note about, like, the love the father has for his daughter that he can't express. Like, you can have that in there, 
but like you have to make it like more solemn you know it's not an uplifting story even if you do like worship the guy you know what would have been a better ending to this movie he's he kills himself no well well i mean (laughs) that was bad i'm sorry i'm not to be mean but steve jobs kind of fucking got himself killed i'm just he 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 declined treatment for his illness when he could get it Mm -hmm. and a big thing was he didn't want himself to get cut open during surgery which is a recurring thing in this movie about wanting closed systems, right? Oh my god! Yeah, and he and he he's like, I will cure this naturally. He he, someone, a little meaner, but more accurately said, he thought he could outsmart cancer, and he couldn't. And by the time he was like, okay, I'll do real treatment, it was kind of a little too late, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's a little sad in that kind of way that. Uh, but I think he was a little bit the canary in the coal mine for these tech giants that we had propped up in the Obama years, you know? Yeah. And uh, I decided to look it up and guess what story breaks the month this movie goes into wide release. Uh, Trump is running for president. Well, no, that I, I think that might've been around that time though, but, uh, John Kerry-Rue's report to the Wall Street Journal about a little company called Theranos and how their Edison devices weren't able to do tests properly. That's the same Uh, month this movie came out. uh, 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 (laughs) And that is the beginning of the collapse of tech optimism in this country. But he played the orchestra. How, how could he? <laughs> um, but like, you remember that was a huge story when it happened. Like, and I will say, I watched they did a a mini series um, starring Amanda Seyfried uh, about where she played Elizabeth Holmes. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, there's the a big out. moment in that where the iPhone comes out and it's like a big deal. Like, as part of her is that she modeled herself so much on steve jobs mm-hmm. and it was a weird like there was a weird moment watching that where i was like oh yeah like people were fucking lining up for those iphones like goddamn, like that was huge when that happened like it was like when they launched like a playstation or something yeah and i don't even think people get that excited about playstations anymore you know like no i think right now it's just harder because sometimes well, now, just there's a stock. pandemic on everything but <laughs> yeah yeah, the pandemic fucking up or but also or like te- no one knows what game systems even are anymore you know mm-hmm. um when does the uh when did the xbox one launch um oh that must have been like 20 that's like 2012 or something oh right? fuck, 20, really 2013 oh okay right in the middle 2013 um because that is a that um is a I think people should study the Xbox Xbox One because that thing is a window into what people thought the tech world was going to be and just what it wasn't, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's a weird betting on all the wrong horses type device uh, where people were like, what are, vi- cause what are video games even going to be? Because at this point, mobile game, remember how huge mobile gaming used to be? 
mm-hmm. on your phone. Yeah. And all and that goes back to the fucking I, iPhone. Like this the iPhone changed so much. And I think Theranos happens. People go like, wait, is Silicon Valley full of shit? The election happens, <laughs> which doesn't help. And then everyone's like, wait a minute, maybe these, maybe putting a computer in everyone's pocket was a bad idea. And letting these big tech companies control what apps go onto these devices and what we see every day and what algorithms determine our lives. Maybe that was a mistake. Uh, so I think because there's just this weird with tech there was this weird era during the Obama years where everyone was so excited about where technology was going and it was this attitude of like technology is going to save the world we're all going to get rich and save the world at the same time (laughs) (laughs) that was the attitude remember like Mm -hmm. That's what everyone thought. And now it's like, oh, no, it's just every scam that's ever existed over and over again. Right. Yeah. And then it kind of moved to Elon Musk for a little bit. And that seems to have gone away, too. You know, only like weirdos are defending him at this point. But people really thought like Elon Musk was going to save the world. I know. I know. There's like, oh, we're going to go to Mars. Like we can we can't save Earth, but we can we can go thrive on Mars. And it's like. Or even that, like his his uh, batteries were gonna be the thing with his cars, you know, like like that, like the Teslas were gonna be it. Oh yeah, That's- no, there's a video every week of a Tesla on fire. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's weird, it, and it's just it's so funny to me that this movie basically comes out right when tech optimism peaks and starts to go down, you know. Mm-hmm. Like there have been rumblings up to that point, obviously, but it, it, I think 2015 is the apex of it. And then the election was just a kick in the balls, you know? Yeah. That election did so much. I think we're, we're still processing, which like, I, you know, it's hard to explain that to people. Cause there are so many like, eh, suck it. Pussy libs, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. just like I will cry harder, but like I don't think people understand like how much that just changed the attitude of this whole country, mm-hmm. and uh, we're still feeling the the reverb of that. Whether or not that will go in a positive or negative direction is yet to be seen. You know? Yeah, yeah. The fascists are certainly mobilizing now. Will they be able to actually hold on to anything? Is the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, this next election is gonna like it, we're it's all a gonna, little scary again. We're all gonna go out of our fucking minds again. Yeah, like yeah. we just are, and they're gonna make me fucking vote for Joe Biden again. You know, is he running? Did he say yet? Uh, he hasn't. He hasn't declined like he was at, at the start. Yeah. So I just assume that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, because they they're not gonna some... let Kamala run. Yeah, because that was the thing. She was clearly supposed to be the like, well, Kamala will take over and like no one likes her. So, yeah. um, but hey, weird country to live in right now. Yeah. Wakanda forever. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen her video? What? You haven't seen her video where she says that? 
Oh God, no. Yeah, where she goes like uh Wakanda Forever. Uh paid for by the Kamala Harris. <laughs> like <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's 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 shocking. It is like a veep bit. Yeah. Wow. Um, sorry to, to dunk on the vice president of the United States, but who gives a shit? What I will not be dunking on, I mentioned him already, but Seth Rogen, I think, is really good in this movie. This is the first like quote unquote serious role he does mm. too. Yeah. And well, I think actually, it, it, it colored his like uh perception differently after this. He had a weird like start to his career where he did he popped up in a few dramas. Well, he's like in Donnie Darko and like a yeah a, is he like it's like a fucking background role or something like it's not big yeah it's not big that but one. it's still like he was trying stuff for a little bit then he ends up in the comedy thing mm-hmm. and now he's like kind of like master of his own destiny type guy you know like yeah, he yeah. produces everything that he stars in and he's a big producer at this point yeah um but uh what's he up to now he hasn't uh well, he hasn't done a movie in a little bit that yeah. was like his. Um, I mean, he was in the Fablemans. Yeah, which he's yeah. great in. Um, but oh yeah, he's Donkey Kong. I can't, we we talked. He's Donkey Kong, and he's in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, he's Bebop so. in the upcoming one. Cool. I but I think the movie looks good from the. I mean, so. yeah, it's yeah. fine. Whatever. Um. Well, he was oh, in American in, uh, Pickle. He's in Mufasa, The Lion King, the Barry Jenkins directed sequel to The Lion King. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is supposed to be, according to Barry Jenkins, like Godfather Part 2. I think it just means it's going to be flashbacks and like present day stuff. Yeah, but it could also be like the Godfather Part 2. <laughs> I mean, if anyone can do it, it's Barry Jenkins. <laughs> also, does it, didn't he produce The Boys? Isn't like isn't he Seth does, Rogen like yeah, an executive? Seth Rogen produces the boys, and he's producing Invincible too. Yeah, and he produced Preacher when that was out. Yeah, yeah. So he he's got like his hands in like interesting cookie jars, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's really good in this. Uh, Michael Fassbender. I I was waiting for it. I we yeah. don't have to talk about him yet. There's other people in this movie that are quite good. Yeah, but Michael Fassbender. Well, I was going to bring up Kate Winslet next. She does a voice. Yeah, she, she does a voice. I, I think she's pretty good. I don't think she's, she's great the, in this. But she's the she's Colonel Tom Parker of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Some might call her the villain of this story. Some might say she doesn't really have that strong a bearing on the plot of this film. <laughs> no, but she does. I guess her role is supposed to be like acting as Jobs' conscience at times sure i'm not saying it works i'm just saying you know does this movie work at all it's so clearly should have just been a stage play like i hate to be that guy i don't like that take i'm sorry i've heard that take i don't like it at all i'm sorry it i don't know i i don't disagree with it that's i don't i i don't agree with you okay all right (laughs) I don't think there's anything here that is that that can't be done a better or more creatively in that setting than as a film. I will say I love the format changes between the time periods where it's like 16 millimeter for 1985 and then uh, uh, 1988, right? Is the next one? It's um, mm. it's on 35 millimeter, and then for 1998, it's on digital. So it's like you get this these this, they take advantage of the distinct differences with the the format 
the, the capture um mm-hmm. and they push them to like their limits because that's the thing about danny boyle that i really like too like he's not just like a fun stylist he's like i don't know what what, what can we experiment with here is it gonna work i don't know but let's try it anyways like he shot 28 days later on fucking dv tape like it's never gonna look like quote-unquote great but that's what i also love about it yeah um i also didn't like start fucking ranting about it when you mentioned it earlier but that's that's one of my favorite movies i love 28 days later so it's great yeah well i was my whole thing is i think the stuff that actually works in this is danny boyle's direction which is why i think this is i wouldn't say this should be a stage play Mm -hmm. i think he does a very good job directing this movie which there's maybe not a ton to when you break it down. Um, I could understand that. And I love Danny Boyle as a director. I just, I just think this movie's like a misfire. No, no, it's, it, it totally is. But I think the only good stuff in it is his directing. Hmm. So when I think about the movie, I'm like, that was a good choice. <laughs> so like, if I saw this on stage, I would hate it too. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like it is, I, I, there's no part, like, there's no part of me. It's like, yes, if this was a stage play, it would work, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know if it would work, but I, I, I think the setting uh, change would, would be beneficial for it. I don't know. I don't know. How do you I feel about Jeff Daniels? I have to ask. Uh, I like Jeff Daniels, but like, he does kind of like, uh, I mean, he's stuck in the newsroom world for a while. Yeah. Um, I do like at the peak of like the newsroom. And all that shit, he was willing to go back and do uh, another uh, Dumb and Dumber movie. Yeah, I respect him. Yeah, I respect that. that. Even though that movie's bad, I respect that. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. But yeah, yeah, I respect that. Um, He hasn't done a movie in a few years. Um, He's apparently on a show called American Rust, which I've never heard of. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. He's the lead on that show. It's a Showtime show. Um. He was in the Looming Tower. Did you see the Looming Tower? No. It was kind of about like the build up to 9-11. Hmm. Um, he was John O'Neill, who was a FBI counterterrorism agent, who was one of the guys being like, hey, I think Al-Qaeda is going to attack. And people were like, no, they're not. <laughs> oh, he was in uh, uh, Godless. Oh, yeah. I like Godless. Yeah, that was pretty fine. No, I, I think it's a pretty good little, little miniseries. It's where he's a good actor. It's just he hasn't picked that many great movies no. lately. I mean, lately, go back, yeah. go go back in his career, and he's doing shit like something wild, where he's like amazing in that. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, arachnophobia, like, love arachnophobia. Um, he's in the, the whale. Oh yeah, I don't know. First Dumb and Dumber is a genuinely good movie, and he's good in it. I gotta revisit it because some of those old like raunchier comedies like. <laughs> don't age well you know it's a perfect script it's a perfect script in terms of if your two characters are dumb and dumber (laughs) it it's a it does a great job all right yeah speed fucking rules yeah he was in looper oh yeah he gets the great line like time travel shit will fry a brain (laughs) don't think about it (laughs) it's like okay (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's but like yeah, it's a weird moment in his career. Um, is jo- John Scully still alive? Holy shit! Um, eighty-three years old. Um, also from uh, Alien Covenant, uh, Catherine Waterston. 
Why did you have to remind me of that fucking movie, man? Sorry. Well, because we're talking about another bad movie. There you I go. I'm, I'm trying to make you feel better. Yeah, I guess I guess there's two actors from that movie in this. Yeah. Um, one of them good. I like Catherine Waterston, too. <laughs> no, I, I do like her a lot. And she feels like someone that's gotten shafted. And I think we've talked about that before, too. And mm-hmm. it's just, uh, just a shame because she's very good. And she gets a cameo in the new Fantastic Beast because she didn't like, or J.K. Rowling didn't like that she spoke out against her. That's so. some bullshit, man. It is some bullshit. Again, fuck the British. Fuck the British. Yeah. Fuck J.K. Yeah, Catherine Watterson, just come hang out in America. I can't promise it's any better here, but maybe you'll get more work. I don't yeah. know. Michael yeah. Stolberg? Oh, he's all, he's always dependable. He does the job. Yeah. Although yeah. they have to make him look a lot younger than he is. I know. I, know. Um, which, I, I, I think it works, considering. The first one, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> they're really trying to make him look like he's like a, like 20-something. <laughs> it's kind of like impossible. Fastbender kind of can do it with the makeup just because like he, Steve Jobs looked kind of crazy. So Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh yeah yeah i mean that dude is is a fantastic actor i don't think he's led anything in a while huh yeah he's not been the lead in anything for a while he was in bones and all which i really loved yeah he's good in it too Mm -hmm. Uh, pops up with the director of halloween and yeah no one told me that so i was like what the fuck (laughs) like it was like God. He's like to me fifth build. Ends. He's like fifth build in Multiverse of Madness and is on screen for like two seconds. I know. No, he gets a, he gets a great moment. He gets to he gets be, a good moment, but yeah. it's also like really funny how high build he is considering. Yeah. Well, he's a real actor that they snuck into the franchise. Yeah, they got to keep bringing him back. I know. Just have um, his life get worse and worse each time. Yeah, I guess. I guess what was uh was a serious man his only real lead oh god maybe oh shoot oh shoot i think so yeah that's not right that shouldn't be it's right. not right but you know what he's carved out a great spot as like a dependable character actor yeah, yeah like i, I hope he's getting the money he needs because mm-hmm. like he is whenever he shows up you're like yes yeah <laughs> Like he was in Dope Sick. Oh, yeah. That was a little miniseries. Yeah. It's on Fargo. Wait, was that the first or second season? I have no memory. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, was the, the third season. Tower, Excuse me. All, along with, uh, uh, what's his fuck I just mentioned? <laughs> Jeff Daniels. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot. He was, he, I, he was on Studio 60 back in the day. Whoa. For two episodes. Hey, that totally, counts. totally don't remember that. Um, well, then that's probably how you establish a Sorkin relationship, you know? Oh, my God. They made a movie about the staircase. Oh, you know what? I'm so fucking blind. He was on Boardwalk Empire for four seasons. Well, yeah, he's great on Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Um, uh, Arnold Rothstein, real person. Yes. Uh, and canonical or not canonical, like real life, the 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 character, the person, fuck, I'm fucking it up. The person dies in 1928, right? Arnold Rothstein dies in 1928. Mm. The last season takes place after his death, so he's just not in the show anymore. He dies in between seasons, mm. and so it's like it is a little jarring. 
where it's like, you know, as a TV show, I don't know if that decision works, but because they're tracking like a lot of real life characters while focusing on a fictional one as the lead, it's like, I guess it makes sense. I don't know if you had to dump all that time. For those who don't know, Arnold Rothstein is the guy who uh, probably rigged the 1919 World Series. Yeah. Just for those who aren't aware of that. (laughs) Uh, The character of Meyer Wolfsheim in The Great Gatsby is also based on him. Yes. I can't catch him, old sport. Uh, (laughs) Remember when everyone was saying old sport? Like over and over again after that, uh, DiCaprio Great Gatsby dropped. Hell yeah! Let's go back to then. We should uh, to the to the quote, not the time period. <laughs> that's not that's not what I'm saying. That's kind of an oddly perfect Obama era artifact, the Great Gatsby in 3D. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Look at but, all this opulence. Isn't it awesome? Michael, I wasn't even. The, I was looking up. He was on the. They made a movie about the staircase guy, and didn't even star uh, Stolberg. It was Colin Firth played the guy who definitely killed his wife by pushing her down the stairs. <laughs> um, some other actors I just want to mention: John Ortiz, who's yep. getting some play on on these retrospectives. Yeah, um, hey, yeah. good for him. Yeah, and uh, um, yeah, great actor. He's the reporter in every scene. Yeah. Um, and Sarah Snook from Succession fame now. This is, this is an early start for her. So, all right. Let's, let's, do, a, let's do a little... I don't know what it would be. But, like, let's, pre- let's play pretend time for a second. <laughs> I guess. Let's say this movie isn't about steve jobs but a made-up tech person and we just have to go by what the movie says that like this guy changed the world for the better even though he was a huge asshole to everyone Mm -hmm. does that make it a better movie i don't think so like i really don't like i'm not i'm not being fickle here like i don't think it's that interesting to watch people argue about setting up like presentations no, I actually, I kind of, I like that framing device. It's all that stuff is what I like about it. I just, it's the, at the end of the day, I'm like, this is a movie about Steve Jobs who kind of just sucked. Like, Here, I, the framing device is cool. Like I mentioned like the perfect act one, two, three structure. I completely, I stand by that. Like the problem is like when you're watching the scenes, it's kind of like this, I want to get fucking like mauled for this or shot in the street. It's kind of like the David Goyer problem. Whereas, like, structurally, this all makes sense. It's mm-hmm. when you're watching the scenes play out. It's like people arguing about bullshit. Like, they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they get to the end result. And it's like, well, nothing happened in that scene. Mm-hmm. You're just sparring quips, essentially. Like, they're not quips, but they're, they're played like quips. Well, and then I, every once in a while, there's, like, a jokey comment. And then it gets really serious and dour again. Yeah. Like, the rhythm is so obvious, you know? But uh, I kind of like the, uh, how do I say it? Hmm. it's you know it's an extension of like instead of we you know there's a story about steve jobs where they were making the ipod and he's like it has to be this size like he was like he told his engineers it has to be this exact size and the engineers kept trying to beat it do it and they're like we cannot make it smaller than this like they they presented the prototype it's like it's physically impossible and in front of all them he took it and dropped it into a fish tank (laughs) And he's like, you see air bubbles coming out? That means there's room in there. 
and he's like make it smaller which is like what a dick right (laughs) but like it's this is a weird like it's i like it because he's so controlling over these presentations that it's kind of a window into like how controlling he probably was just making the fucking thing you know Mm -hmm. and it's also this like okay this is real he's not really a tech genius he's just a good marketer you know yeah like we see over and over again that he's like when he gets when we get to the next computer where he's like look i know the fucking thing isn't actually going to sell very well that's not the point like i just need to keep myself in the game and i need to figure this out before i crash right like it's like it's a gambit of some kind and it's like that's what that was steve jobs that the movie is arguing that ultimately that was steve jobs's genius that the actual products he makes are irrelevant it is the kind of like showmanship of it all that is what's important and you see like you know from the start like he's kind of a tech god at the beginning but then people are they don't really like the macintosh it it, the macintosh ends up kind of underperforming as a product uh the apple ii remains their most successful product but it's also like something they can't really profit off of which really shouldn't be a concern to consumers um it, we we aren't supposed to make people billionaires we're supposed to get good products that actually work um but hey uh and then by the time of the iMac you know there's a scene where he's like this is what computers look like now but we're gonna do this and like and there's the audience that like you know it's like people like sycophants like they boo when they see the classic pc setup of like there's the desktop and there's some fucking speakers and there's a keyboard He's like, we're going to streamline that. And we're going to make it that this is your device. This is your computer. You can't open it, but you can see inside of it. And it's yours. And you can do whatever you want. And we're going to make, we're streamlining it for you, the consumer. And that's like his whole fucking thing. He's like, I'm not trying to build a little, it's not a tech demo. It's not something you can open up and fiddle around with. No one wants to do that. The film argues. <laughs> uh it's he's just his goal is to get these computers in every home which he succeeds at arguably and then his next goal the threat at the end of the movie is to put it in your pocket which is arguably the last thing he really does before leaving this earth and a movie that goes into here's how he made these products would brush up against what the movie's actually trying to do you know yeah so i like the it's a showcase because that's really what it is it's not a movie about the computers it's about how steve Jobs sells the computers it's just weird that the movie is like and ultimately this was a good thing <laughs> yeah i mean that's where it becomes like indefensible to me yeah and many I, people I don't do know defend I, it, to be fair. But, what was that? And many people do defend it, to be fair. Yeah. I don't know if I put it in the indefensible category. It's just that it makes it an odd object, you know? Like, where, like, I think Steve Jobs' legacy will only get worse the further it goes on, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, a big thing, you know, uh, shortly before this time, they were talking about the, like, how the number of suicides at the factories where they make these iPhones, you know, mm-hmm. like that they had to start installing nets because so many people were jumping off the fucking roofs 
just to make us iPhones. And then there was, I think this has been reversed, but there was something about like the amount of waste produced by lithium batteries. Do you remember this? I do remember that. Yeah. I, I think we found a way to recycle lithium, but at the time it was like any iPhone that dies is like, that's all that lithium just goes into a fucking pit somewhere. And it's like, it's creating a shit ton of landfill and that's a big problem. And despite it, you know, being technically a green thing, lithium, it's actually creating more waste just so we can have iPhones. Do we really need that? Like that was a big talking point in time. And this movie doesn't really care about any of that. Mm Kind of like the social network didn't care about like the privacy issue or like what the, what Facebook as a product actually was, you know? Yeah. And it's odd. It works in the social network, but not here. Yeah, and I think the social network works like spoiler alert if we ever talk about it. And frankly, we probably will. Um, mm. Like, I think it ends up holding up better because it ends on an ambiguous enough of a note. You know mm. what I mean? Like, it probably was meant to be more optimistic. Um, I think like, that movie ends with kind of like a, a message of like, Mark Zuckerberg, if you're watching it, fucking calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that they end what well, the ending of that movie feels like, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you won. Like, don't you don't have to be weird anymore. Like and then he got weirder. <laughs> yeah, and then he got weird, like he chose to get weirder. So yeah. Um, um yeah. But and, and here, you know, he's dead, so he can't get weirder. Yeah, yeah. Steve Jobs. Been dead over a decade at this point. Wow. Who's the guy that took over after him? I don't know, but he, he made it worse. <laughs> Yeah. And you can't even hide behind like the sleek new products as well because yeah. they work less well than the other ones. Which well, that's where what is also Apple made it like. Well, here's something that also is like under discussed in this movie is that the Steve Jobs gambit with the iPhone and the closed system is what like makes all that become like they take over a huge chunk of the market share for computer products, right? Mm-hmm. And it basically pushes Microsoft into following in its footsteps. And I think that has been a detriment to computers as a whole that like now everything is this weird, like everything's a, a smartphone, you know? Yeah. That's the goal. It feels like we're, there is some pushback beginning against that mentality. Uh you feel that with I feel like um I you have a Steam Deck. I bought a Steam Deck. I don't have a Steam Deck, but you, you've been hyping it up to me. The, the I really like I it, but one. it also feels like it's a kind of Trojan horse of trying to get um computers back to where they were pre the kind of iPodinization of everything. Mm. Um it feels like a weird little Trojan horse to try and do that, trying to plan for a future where computers are like really closed off systems and you have to constantly be paying monthly fees for everything and um it's I, I, it'll be interesting this they because tr- that's what uh steam and valve tried with the steam box do you remember the steam box you know i remember the the name i don't have or steam machine that that's what they were called steam machines which was there they were kind of computer devices but they were pitched as an alternative to uh gaming consoles and they came with their own os and they came with a controller the best received thing about it was probably the controller Hmm. um and that was their first attempt at it it didn't really work out i think they still 
No, they no longer sell. Uh, no, there's still some Steam Machine models being sold on the Steam store, but I think they've pivoted to this uh, Steam Deck product as the new thing. And um, it's somewhere like if you want it to be just a handheld game system, it can be that. But if you know what you're doing, it can basically be a mini desktop computer, you know. And that's interesting. Um, and I wonder where that's going if we go forward with that. I wonder if there is going to be more of a pushback against the constant um, everything in your pocket type mentality, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we're just too addicted to it at this point. I don't know, uh, but yeah, it's um, weird, weird times. <laughs> yeah, but it is weird. I just think about like when I was a kid, and like if I wanted to go on the internet, I had to go to the one room in our house that had a computer, and get on it, and then use it. And now it's like if I want to go on the internet, I just have to pull my phone out of my pocket, you know. I mean that it's, that is why we're the we're a very strange generation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're we're there before the internet is so publicly accessible, and then we're mm-hmm. here during the internet's like over accessibility, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that yeah, I'm not I'm not saying like oh you kids and oh the boomers whatever. I will say oh the boomers of course always, yeah. but like um, it it is just very strange. Like personally, I always feel like I'm in a bit of a I, I kind of get the transitional period of kind of whatever surroundings I'm in. You know what I mean? Like in middle school, they they physically called us, or I guess they verbally called us the um the transitional group as we were starting to learn like math on computers the, with the Alex program. Yeah, they're like we're gonna see how it works with you guys first. And I was like, oh, that's I, I what? <laughs> like, huh? Yeah, we had a lot of that too in my school. Yeah. We had a few. Like, you know, what was weird. My class was the last class. They had a class that was designed to teach you how to work on a uh pc like it was the class was here's how to use microsoft word basically and my class was the last class that had to do that because they realize kids don't need that anymore like mm-hmm. they already know what it is yeah. and i'm just like that's kind of interesting like yeah, the, the, yeah. Like, now no one cares <laughs> yeah yeah you know and like these transitionary periods aren't always like a bad thing obviously yeah. it's like there's a lot of good that's come from like the the, the range of accessibility yeah with a lot of this stuff um but it it needs to be confronted with the fact that like well what did it take to get there yeah and a movie like steve jobs has no interest in really like analyzing that apart from like the perspective it has on steve jobs which is that it's like let's figure out who steve jobs is and it's like kind of an asshole (laughs) (laughs) and it's just this thing of like it it is a like the, I don't know. The movie seems to think that ultimately he's not really like an interesting enough asshole, you know, like mm-hmm. he's, he's not interesting enough. And then what he did for the world, I don't think is a net positive enough to justify like, okay, well, he did these great things, even though he was an asshole, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then there's like, there's so many negatives tied to it that are under discussed but um hey it's it's, it 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 will remain a weird object of a movie in my opinion i think it's gonna stick around i think people are still gonna revisit this one yeah people love this movie too like people that discover it um Mm -hmm. i uh i know there's at least one person in my my twitter circle that's like a 
a massive fan of this. And we kind we have a friendly spat whenever I'm like, oh geez, <laughs> about that movie. I kind of I'll throw some dirt in the movie's eye, but um, I don't. Ha- I, I I'll I'll say I don't hate it. You know, in light of Molly's game, yeah, there's there's that. Um, but also, I'm weird. <laughs> we're like when I watch it, it's like I feel differently every time I watch it. Where sometimes I walk away from it and go like, it was last time I watched it, I really responded negatively to it. This time I was like, eh, it's okay. And maybe next time I'll be like, no, wait, fuck that. Like, <laughs> um, but I think a lot of this though depends on how you, if you actually think Steve Jobs was some sort of genius, which I just don't, he just wasn't, you know, like yeah. he was a brilliant yeah. marketer, but um, that's why I go like, if he, if it was about someone, if it was about like a fictional Steve Jobs type, and I'm like, well, that person doesn't really exist. So, yeah. Okay. Like Wozniak ends up being the more interesting guy, but also like it's harder to build a narrative around him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's kind of like, I made a computer and now I'm going to make the first universal remote control. <laughs> it's like, really? And he's like, yep. Like, Woo. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, it's not as, not as thrilling, but hey. I mean, hey, maybe sometimes you could just do a documentary. Yeah, I guess. And even even then, it's not like that doesn't solve all the problems mm. with certain people who are just not that interesting. You know, doesn't but mean hey. they're not like they're not uh, interesting as a person, but maybe they're not, they're not interesting as a subject for a narrative. Yeah, you know? I've heard the book this is based on is all right, but I haven't read that book. I have not either. But all yeah. right, that's I think that's Steve Jobs, right? Is there is there anything else we need there? Um. We didn't talk at all about Michael Fassbender. And I oh, think yeah, that's you a can good talk thing. about Michael Fassbender now. I think it's, that's a good thing. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, We've already had our Michael Fassbender stats. You yeah, know, so. we have. And I'm correct. Mm-hmm. That's up for debate. Is he good as Steve Jobs? No, he is not. <laughs> so <laughs> I think he's all right. I think he's all right in this. Yeah. I like him much more in like literally everything else I've ever seen him in. <laughs> Yeah, except maybe the snowman, but that's not entirely his fault. That we know, that we know of, yeah. Um, all right, would you recommend it? I guess is the question. Um, I kind of would. I think some people get something out of it, but also like it is one of those where I'm like I want to go, and then maybe read up a little bit on Steve Jobs. Yeah, like get some more context that this movie doesn't provide at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And because I don't, I it definitely doesn't have a value as like a Steve Jobs movie, you know? Yeah. Like, but I do think there is something to it, like of why he was so successful. I think that movie does capture that. Yeah. I mean, here's the one thing I will say that I kind of appreciate about this movie now. Like, it's one of those biopics that's not just content to be a Wikipedia page article. You know, mm-hmm. like it's very clearly trying, striving for more than just like the birth, life, and death of a single person. Yeah, it, it's clearly trying to capture like an experience. And this seems to be a trend. Their, their in, mind. Biopics seem to be trending in this direction where they aren't trying to tell the whole life of someone. You know, they're trying to try do like a moment. You know, mm-hmm. and I much prefer that than the like let's be like here's what it was like when he was working in the garage with Wozniak like that's how we start the movie yeah yeah 
it's yeah yeah i mean hey if there's anything positive to say about uh, my feelings and aaron sorkin like he's not generic yeah generic sorkin it'll give you a shit to talk about yeah i guess you're right like that's the least we kind of have to we have to reckon with him every time he puts something out like we can't just ignore it i mean i have recently but i you what you're saying is correct yeah (laughs) there's stuff that's going to be worth talking about um yeah, that's uh, that's that's good old motion picture Steve Jobs. Looks like no one I know gave Trial of the Chicago Seven a good review. I mean, why would they? But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it, it looks terrible. And I, I could li- physically, literally, looks like the image looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, was that a ne- that was a Netflix joint, right? Yeah, but I'm not putting that on them because Spike Lee's made a movie for them. Michael Bay made a movie for them. Yeah, but like it seems that the norm for Netflix seems to be movie looks bad. I'm so curious about what goes into that. Maybe it's just people that don't know how to like use the cameras that Netflix allows. It's directed by Sorkin, who is a writer, not a director. Like, yeah, yeah. Like even like Molly's Game... Like now I'm gonna shut him a little bit more. Like I know it's got like an energy to it, but it's like the stuff we're watching, it's just there to build energy. It's not there to like inform character or story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've seen a lot of people hype up like the actual card playing and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, but this is like it's just flashy, you know? And like you can do that at the beginning to be like seductive and you see how people get caught up in this world. But it never evolves beyond just like this is flashy, mm-hmm. and um, to me that's not very impressive. And I, I think that also stems from his inability as a writer to make anything more than flashy at times. Mm-hmm. You know, he can be insightful. Um, oftentimes he is not, and it does feel like he's <laughs> in a slump. Like I, I'm not even being a hater here. Like it does feel like he's in a slump, like publicly more than mm-hmm. just my own personal opinion for him. You know. We'll see. Maybe if he bounces back and comes out with like a masterpiece at some point, like I will like fully acknowledge that, you know. Maybe he needs to team with Fincher again. Maybe that's all it really is. Maybe so. They can work with Fastbender again together. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) The social network too has been floated around for a while. Yeah. They should do, they should pull a Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. With the social network too. I will not explain that any further. Yeah, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? What are you talking about? Because well, like, what are you gonna do a straight movie about how he like got brought in front of the courts and shit like that? Like, no, fuck that. Like, no, no, no. parody yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it opened with another chainsaw fight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fuck it. <laughs> Like go, like literally go insane. Like that's what I, the next one should be. Did you see the Weird Al movie? Um, you know what I haven't yet. Okay, but based on it, the trailers, maybe that's the vibe I want. Um, it's it's not. I've heard like it's a, okay. A home run. It's not a yeah. home run, but the vibe of it, like I kind of want to see someone do another biopic like that, mm-hmm. where it's, it's fucking complete bullshit, but it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Like it's got one joke. But it's a really funny joke, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, also, it's like an hour and a half long, and that's what you should do. The reason I haven't watched it is because it's exclusively on Roku, and I don't 
I don't fuck with Roku. Yeah, but didn't you hear Weird Al? He was like, hey, if you have another way of watching it, go for it. Oh, yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fucking Weird Al. That, that, that guy seems cool. Yeah. It seems a little weird, if you ask me. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up on that now. Wow, it took me like a minute to get to that joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I sat there, I was like, mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, hey, I got a zinger to throw out there. <laughs> All right. Next up, I have a little counter ready to go because this episode took a, we had some technical difficulties that will yes. probably be cut out of the show. So, yeah. or Diego will forget, and there's just going to be tons of dead air. Uh, <laughs> it happens to the best of us. All right. Next up on the docket, we are talking about the late shifts. Hey, finally. It was either between that and one other movie. And yeah. then we have our finale picked out just because it's a little harder to track down. But um mm. yeah, Diego should get on that. Yes, I should. Because I, I own that movie. That. Okay, I will get on that. Um, everyone wants the late shifts. Yes, it is week. Let me check. It was on HBO Max because it was produced by HBO back in the day. But like yes, it HBO's, still is okay because HBO's been just dumping everything lately. I know, so you know, it's uh, scary. Yeah, have you? I'll, I'll give the audience a preview. Uh, the top review of that movie is one half star. <laughs> okay, that bodes well. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, that's the popular assessment of the movie. Okay. <laughs> So. Yeah, I don't actually like. I don't know what to expect, really. So we might talk more about the circumstances the movie is based on than the actual movie. But... Okay, much like today's film. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, we did actually end up talking about this movie. Yeah, as opposed to some of the other episodes. <laughs> that happens. Right. Hey. Okay. Um, links down to where you can find us below in the description. Matt, thank you for joining me as always. Uh, it was a pleasure. Are Are you going to start streaming again soon? Because I might start streaming again. I soon. I keep meaning to. I just I've been having a lot of. I, I got to sort out like seventeen other things in my life right now. No, no, I get you. I get you. And I'm I'm waiting for a GameCube from someone. Oh yeah. That, uh, yes, I, you I are. Thinking, and I was going to be like, you know, what's the first game I'm going to stream is Metroid Prime, because I own it, and then. Nintendo was like, surprise, motherfuckers. <laughs> now I can just get it on the Switch. So, uh, hey, you know how things happen. Yeah, th- things happening is, is how it happens. <laughs> things happening <laughs> is how it happens. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for watching. Uh, like and subscribe. If you didn't like this episode, like and subscribe anyways, because you might find something to do like. See you later. Uh, We have been professionally unprofessional. Bye.